Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. California is 12% of the nation's population. There are essential things that are produced in California. That when you think of the pharmaceutical industry and others based in San Francisco, when you think of the manufacturing, that maybe even makes uh, the, the idea, items that we need from masks and others. I would have thought the governor would have called a number of us to consult and talk to us why he would make this decision. I know I never did get a call from him. Um, but maybe he feels that the need behind it, we do think there was an ability to do this without shutting down the entire state. I hope he consulted with a lot of experts before he just made this decision. We have a new poll out this morning with Ipsos showing two-thirds of Americans worried about the outbreak. More than half disapprove of how the president has handled it. And it's pretty clear his Oval Office address did not provide the kind of assurance everyone was looking for. You know, George, it didn't. He wanted to reassure the country and the markets, and he was shaky. He misstated his policy on whether trade would be banned from Europe. It won't. Misstated what insurers were willing to pay for. And that probably contributes to our poll's finding that before that speech, 59% of Americans said they were concerned about this virus. Afterwards, 73%. That, of course, has to do with time as well. But politics still matter here, George. Uh, in our poll, 86% of Republicans approve of the president's response, 86% of Democrats disapprove. Of course, the virus has no partisan loyalty. People that don't show symptoms and people that have doctors that say they shouldn't get it, I would rely on that. Yeah, I would rely on that. Mr. President, thank you. Mr. President, thank you. Um, I have two questions. Do you consider the term Chinese food? O-A-N. Yes, sir. Thank you. I have two questions. very nicely. Do you consider the term Chinese food racist? Because no. it's food that originates in China or it has Chinese... No, I don't think it's racist. Note, I don't think it's racist at all. On that note, major left-wing news media, even in this room, have teamed up with Chinese Communist Party narratives, and they're claiming you are racist for making these claims about Chinese parts. Is it alarming that major media players just to oppose you are consistently siding with foreign state propaganda, Islamic radicals, and Latin gangs and cartels, and they work right here at the White House with direct access to you and your team. It amazes me when I read the things that I read. It amazes me when I read the Wall Street Journal, which is always so negative. Uh, it amazes me when I read the New York Times. Is not even I don't I barely read it. You know we don't distribute it in the White House anymore. And the same thing with the Washington Post, uh, because you see I know the truth, and people out there in the world they really don't know the truth. They don't know what it is. Uh, they use different slogans and different concepts for me almost every week, trying to catch something. Last week it was all chaos. You see me, I, there's no chaos. I have no chaos. I'm the one telling everybody to be calm. There's no chaos in the White House. We have unbelievable professionals. It's really, I mean, I think I came up with the term. I hope I came up with the term. But it is fake news. It's more than fake news. It's corrupt news. Uh, they write stories without calling anybody. They write a story uh, today, uh, I had a couple of stories, where they, they never call me, ever, that I know of. At least nobody tells me. Uh, they'll write a story about me without even asking my opinion on something. It's totally fake. I've never seen... 
And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 21st of March, year of our Lord, 2020. I'm going early. We were going to go do stuff, but it all got canceled. The wife's got a cough, but it's allergy-induced, and <clears throat> I don't want her going out, so we skipped a day at the lake, because pollen's at, like, level 45 and bad. <clears throat> Even my Flonase ain't working, so we're going to just stay home. Probably the safe thing to do. Um, and... Partly, I went early because, well, I had enough content, um, but I realized I wanted to do a podcast Tuesday upon completion of going out to a doctor's clinic and a Walgreens pharmacy and really kind of, I don't know, give give some information. Um, our intro is the press, and I'm going to do this press stuff, and then I'm going to talk about coronavirus in general. Didn't want to do a coronavirus. It's kind of impossible not to do a coronavirus right now. Um, but cases and things like that. So that was Peter Alexander. And of course he's lying from Jump Street. That was a loaded question. Um, he says it's a softball. That's not true. That was with intent because as we'll see through the you know podcast, it's the same thing. We're back to racism. Trump sucks. And they're still fear-mongering. Every time there's hope coming from the lectern, they are going to lose their shit and say he's a liar. So he tweeted off for both President Trump and Pence an opportunity to reassure Americans. Simple question. What do you say to Americans are scared? Trump, I see you're a terrible reporter. Pence, an hour later, don't be afraid, be vigilant. Christian Toto, why did you leave out the first part of your comment? Dana Loesch, the question Alexander asked was goofy. Is your impulse to put a positive spin on things maybe giving American a false sense of hope and misinterpreting your preparedness right now? You expect the reply to be, what, Peter? They should be terrified. It's a dumb question. Mike, I wonder why you left out your own question. The full question is your impulse to put a positive spin. Derek Hunter, forgot this part. Impulse, Shep Horn. Media, we're just trying to give him a chance to reassure the public. The same media at the press conference. Why are you giving false hope about a possible treatment? The malethiquin or malaria stuff. Judge Snails, Webster Dictionary definition of bullshit. No, he wasn't. His facial expression and tone contradicts his tweet. You could see the contempt in his face while asking the question. American people aren't stupid. Ann Coulter. And then you just attack him for false hope. And that's what they've been doing. There was John King. And this starts our contempt our press grievance day. So instead of talking about Corona, they were all up in arms because he batted down Peter Alexander. But John King, yeah, he got caught on tape doing it. Let's see what happens. I sat in that room for just shy of 10 years. It was a perfectly valid question. And what the president did to Peter Alexander is reprehensible. The American people are looking for answers. They do want hope. They do want support, Mr. President. That was a very fair question. Our Caitlin Collins is in the briefing room right now. She was there for that contentious briefing. Uh, Caitlin, this is a Trump trademark. This is a Trump trademark. It was striking that this came, this, this, forgive me, bullshit attack on fake news came just moments after the Secretary of State said the American people need to be careful about where they get their information and go to sources they can trust. I get there are times disagreements. There are times contention between politicians and reporters. That was a 100% legitimate question with no hype, no shade, no bias. He just wanted to attack. 
Yeah, and we're living in a pandemic, and people have questions, and they want to hear messages from the President of the United States. Now, understand, before I even address him, this is what Bernie Sanders did this week. This was not carried on CNN for an entire day, and his was the same conduct. Following those losses in last night's Democratic primaries that we were just talking about, Senator Bernie Sanders is facing growing pressure to bow out of the presidential race. Today, he was on Capitol Hill to vote on that Senate coronavirus legislation. Sanders got heated as he shot down an earlier report from Axios that he was suspending his campaign. Axios later said that it got that report wrong and apologized. Supporters have been on this flurry no. today. Can you say? Well, can you? Some of them said this is just untrue. Um, what's we sent out a statement. Uh, what's your time for? Are there stop with this? I'm dealing with a global crisis. You know, we're dealing with it. You're asking me these questions, right? You're running for president. So well, right now I'm running. Right now I'm trying to do my best to make sure that we don't have an economic meltdown and that people don't die. Is that enough to you? Can you be busy for today? Understand that was on MSDNC. I couldn't find a soundbite about CNN, but they spent all yesterday doing it. Understand, my wife wanted to go out, but she had a cough. It's probably, once again, not corona, but I don't want her out in public because we have our first cases here. We have three cases. They're all quarantined, but they're in Clarksville area, and there's a bajillion in Nashville, and, of course, people commute around here, so we're just playing it safe because she has a compromised immune system. And our age bracket, let's be honest, we're in our 50s. It looks like in the United States it's men in their 50s, but I went out to get pizza. And side note, because we wanted to go out on a date. We had planned to go out on a date. Couldn't do it. Uh, nobody's serving now. We're even closed down. You can get to go. And I want to shout out to Domino's. They're doing a 50% off every goddamn pizza if you order it and take it out. Which I thought, holy shit, that's a good deal. So we got a couple pizzas. And we've been living on it since yesterday. <laughs> Probably eat it for lunch today. And I went and did it. And instead of doing what they have, you can tap and they'll bring it to you. They have gloves on and everything. Um, I went in. I just used a hand sanitizer to open the damn door and I grabbed it. I, I'm overzealously doing some of the things in public by using hand sanitizers, not using latex, but I will Tuesday when I go into an actual medical environment. Not because I really think I'm going to get it, but I don't want to bring it home and give it to somebody because we're kind of quarantined. My wife... Because she's had a lot of operations in her immune system. It hasn't been a year since her knee surgery. And you should watch it, all right? Now, I come in and she's watching the briefing. I don't want to watch the briefing, but she wants to watch the briefing. So we watch the briefing, and even she says, okay, that's enough. Because it all turned into, why do you call it this? And as we'll see, Kung Flu Fever that somebody said they heard, but nobody has proof. And they never said anybody who did it. They won't say their name. It's all fucking bullshit. There was not important stuff. There was, hey, we have trials on this anti-malarial drug, and we're going to rush it into order. We are making, we get, did the Defense Authorization Act. We did this. We did that. He's doing what every president in the world would do, because unlike any president in the room, and this is a rare time I'm going to out and out defend Trump, He's being personally attacked night and day, being called it's a Trump virus. There's op-eds everywhere that it's his fault. There's people saying he should be fucking charged with manslaughter and fucking homicide. 
I mean, it's the most over-the-top shit that would never make it out of the goddamn green room during a Democratic president. So I play Bernie Sanders. They didn't spend all day on it. I tuned back every time I tuned in to CNN yesterday, and I tweeted them, looking for Corona update, because I'm going to Fox, MSNBC, and CNN. When we're not watching something, just kind of flipping through and seeing anything new, or if it's getting worse, or whatever. Well, guess what? All it was, was the press briefing. Not Bernie Sanders doing the same thing. No, we're not going to talk about that, because he's a Democrat. Or are they talking about the myriad things that would cover? But it's a great tweet up front. Phil Kirpin, Tom Pyle bring you the following. What's the wildest attempt to attach unrelated agenda items to corona bills you've seen? Taxpayer-funded abortions, electric vehicle subsidies, winds and solar power subsidies, credit card interchange price controls. You hit my two. Add climate regs for airlines, student loan forgiveness, ACLU demand criminals be released onto the streets, and it's happening everywhere. Nor anything to calm the public. Bill Mitchell's been very good at this. April 1st, 2009, H1N1 became a pandemic. Six months later, after 1,000 U.S. deaths, Obama finally declared it a public health emergency. There was none of this. We didn't quarantine. We didn't shut the country down. The media wasn't saying he's a liar. The media wasn't spending all day only bringing on de Blasio to say, hey... The federal government's doing nothing. I don't have 8 million ventilators, something that we never would have. I'm running out of masks. They've done everything they can to release federal stuff. The DOD's releasing it. We've been reporting this shit on the podcast. They don't bring those people on. They fearmonger. And then when you have the press brief- briefing, it's an all-day grievance. You said the other day you compare yourself, you see yourself as a wartime president right now, leading the country through this pandemic that we're experiencing. Do you really think, you know, going off on Peter, going off on a network is appropriate when the country is going through something like I this? I do because I think uh, Peter is, uh, you know, I've dealt with Peter for a long time. And I think Peter is uh, not a good journalist when it comes to fairness. Asking for your message to the country. Oh, I think it's a good message because I think that the country has to understand that there is indeed, whether we like it or not, and some of the people in this room won't like it, uh, there's a lot of really great news and great journalism, and there's a lot of fake news out there. And I hear it all, and I see it all, and I understand it all because I'm in the midst of it. So when somebody writes a story or does a story on television, and I know it's false, I know it's fake. And when they say they have 15 sources have said, and I know there's no sources, there's no sources, they just making it up. Uh, I know that, and I call Peter, I call Peter out, but I call other people out too. And, you know, this is time to come together. But coming together is much harder when we have dishonest journalists. It's a very important profession that you're in. It's a profession that I think is incredible. I cherish it. But when people are dishonest, they truly do hurt our country. The American people to becoming to trusted sources of information. Does it undermine you at all when the president stands up here and he attacks news outlets calling us untrustworthy? Another question. Mr. Secretary, what, what message do you think it sends to other countries when you have the president of the United States lashing out at reporters? I, I've had my frustration with reporters, too. 
All I ask when I talk to the media is that you listen to what we say and report it accurately. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you see when you see when you see that that doesn't happen. It's it's enormously frustrating. We have a responsibility to tell the American people the truth, and those who are reporting on what it is we're doing and saying have an equal responsibility to report. Let me go to Peter Alexander. He was in the briefing, as you just saw. He's now at the White House. Uh, and look, I think we got to taste the president. And I guess Peter, I should ask it this way: um, uh, the, Is the pressure getting to the president here? He seems very defensive. Particularly, I think we saw a great example of it at the end. Dr. Fauci gave a straightforward, honest answer about the testing challenges that have been a problem from the get-go here. And the president, you could see him goose the vice president. Don't you want to answer that? And the president, of course, came in with, a, with, with suddenly a, a new spin on what happened there. Is, he, is the pressure getting to him? Well, I think Americans will make their own judgment based on what they saw here, Chuck. I mean, obviously, they are looking for a president and a, a task force in whom they can be confident and feel safe and secure, knowing that everything's being done to help protect them at home right now. As you witnessed, there was a, a moment, you and I are baseball fans, we, we call it a softball. I was trying to provide the yeah. president an opportunity to reassure millions of Americans. We're witnessing the death toll now approach 200 and the number of those who have already tested positive for COVID-19 approaching 14 thousand are surpassing it what he would say to americans who were scared the president as you witnessed instead took it out on me and right. said that i was a right. terrible reporter i mean clearly this was an opportunity for him to be positive and to be uplifting right. optimistic as he likes to be i asked him before that which i think frustrated him perhaps is whether it's his sort of impulse to put a positive spin on things if that may be giving false hope to americans as we witnessed just yesterday he said about some of those possible therapies that he uh, that there would be immediate delivery in fact dr fauci himself said that there was no magic drug for coronavirus but just to really underscore this moment. I asked the same question, Chuck, as you witnessed, of the vice president about an hour later in that briefing, and he provided the answer that, frankly, I think a lot of Americans at home, my neighbors with whom I speak, are looking for, which is to the question of, should Americans be afraid? Should they be scared? He said, don't be afraid. Be vigilant. Chuck? Let's not forget that this president said uh, not too long ago this was a Democratic hoax. That these, yeah. this, the Democrats, that, that coronavirus was a, him. was I mean, not a literally, hoax. but it, that, that verbiage is going to be run in attack it, ads. Yeah. Is, is this a hoax? Is this a yeah. hoax? Yeah. Like people die from a hoax? Unfortunately, I worked in conservative media. My husband works in conservative media for my entire life. There are a lot of people that are only listening to Fox News on this yeah. and are only listening to the president. And I saw the tone in this country start to change. Again, we were raging about this for a long time. The tone started changing when Fox started changing. And so that, to me, is what's concerning yes. for older people, yes. where we have a harder time convincing them to yeah. take this more seriously. And I think there's actual videos on YouTube that you can look up right now if you want to see it. And it shows the metamorphosis. Between and I wish we had that. I wish that. we had that. Because it is unbelievable when you saw uh, yeah. some of the anchors on Fox News calling it a hoax, calling it all this stuff. There's and then there was everyone. Change. People like Brett Baer and Harris Faulkner have been, I had lunch with her right before this broke. Yeah. And she, I don't think she'd mind me saying this. She said it's incredibly serious and to take it seriously. But, and but I others, think, you saw Sean yeah. Hannity, you but saw... But people have to uh, use their heads Trish, right now. Don't so look yeah. to politicians or just what you're seeing on the one channel you choose to yeah. watch. Read in on your own. This right. is, there are lives at stake. Lives at stake. I, I agree with you. I just think there are unfortunately yeah. a bunch of people in this country who have such a distrust of our media and our institutions that they only choose to listen to one network or another. And I think it has done a real disservice. And they, yeah. they listened to the president who called it a hoax, and their lives were... CNN's chief media correspondent and host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter, joining us now. And it's... I don't think he is using the word honest correctly, right? It's like... 
if it's if it's something that is very true, but he feels that it's highlighting something that is a shortcoming for him, that is clearly in this case the federal response. That is a, a that is should be highlighted. It should be discussed because we're in the middle of this and it needs to get better. He he calls it dishonest, Brian. The question is a good thing. Criticism and scrutiny is a good thing. But obviously to the president, he, he rejects all of that. And it was incredibly disappointing to see his conduct at this briefing today. It's like he took one step forward earlier in the week with a real war, wartime president sense. And then he took three steps forward back today by assailing the media at a time when the media is empowering the public with information to stay safe. Right? Look, we all know the president's obsessed with news coverage. Well, in order to get good press right now, he has to concentrate on health care and life-saving efforts. If he's watching, that's the message. Concentrate on getting more masks and supplies to the hospitals. Do not focus on your grievances. Hospitals are in desperate need today, not tomorrow, today. But he doesn't seem to want to know or admit that. He's not acknowledging the rapidly escalating death toll and number of cases in, in, in metro, major metropolitan areas of the country. Look, I think Republican leaders and others who are in Trump's inner circle need to intervene immediately to get him back on message, Brianna. You know, I was almost watching this press briefing through the prism of the steps of, like, It amazes me when I read the Wall Street Journal, which is always so negative. Uh, it amazes me when I read the New York Times is not even, I don't, I barely read it. You know, we don't distribute it in the White House anymore. And the same thing with the Washington Post. They use different slogans and different concepts for me almost every week, trying to catch something. Last week it was, oh, chaos. You see me, there's no chaos. I have no chaos. I'm the one telling everybody to be calm. There's no chaos at the White House. We have unbelievable professionals. Well, we just wrapped up the uh, today's briefing uh, from the coronavirus task force. President Trump led it. Uh, and you'll be forgiven if you sort of had forgotten what were the news headlines out of it. The president's own personal grievances seemed to dominate. The, the large chunk of that was candidate Donald Trump uh, at times. It feels like the grievances are back. Um, whatever... Whatever focus he was on being the wartime president over the last couple of days seemed to go out the window. He seems to be just looking for reasons to be upset about things. The problem, and, and do I think Trump saying that was right? No, but it's hard to, for me to even... Okay, after Obama bashed Fox every day from the lectern, a media saying it's inappropriate to attack the defenders of First Amendment... It doesn't hit home with me. It, it's just really shallow. Because it was cool when he did it. I mean, if they weren't bashing him, to do a side note, I'm just going to play it, they were bashing Fox. Peter Baker, a little history that you already know. Uh, the Spanish flu, 1918, wasn't Spanish at all. It likely originated in Kansas, right smack dab in the middle of our country. But on that same theme, it is clear the president, the White House staff, their friends at Fox News have decided they need to make China an enemy in this story. He works better in a political sense when he has an enemy. And in this case, he's decided that China is the enemy. This is a foreign threat. And that fits into, of course, the pattern we've seen throughout his presidency. The, 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 his presidency has been built in large part on the theory that the outside world is a threat 
the United States, whether it be uh, rapists and gang members or trade or uh, security threats, now disease, it's all coming from the outside, which justifies uh, tougher measures at the border. Uh, it may be right that these uh, measures are taken at various points, uh, various points along the way. But the, the, to frame this as the China virus is meant to play a political uh, you know, role in the president's policy making to, and to deflect attention away from the things that he and his own administration didn't do early on. Eight senators voted against the Coronavirus Response Act. They are all Republicans. And today, the first two members of Congress to reveal that they have tested positive for COVID-19 are Republican Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida and Democratic Congressman Ben McAdams of Utah. Donald Trump has stopped taking the pandemic lightly and now falsely claims that he always knew it was going to be a pandemic, even when he was saying it was a hoax. And Fox now takes the pandemic seriously. That is a very sudden switch for Fox, where one Fox host said that the coronavirus hoax, as the president called it, was just the latest attempt by the Democrats to impeach Donald Trump. The sudden switch to taking the pandemic seriously at Fox proves that Fox was lying about it deliberately for weeks and weeks when they were lying in the way they believed Donald Trump wanted them to lie. And when they were doing that, every single day they were doing that, they were endangering millions of people's lives and endangering your life because we are all in this together, this being the risk pool for coronavirus. So back to my point, here's Trump. Probably a weird dude because he spends all day looking at social media and reading tweets. And, you know, he's our first Twitter president that lives that way and watches rating, ratings because we, we, we fucking hired a, a celebrity reality TV dude to be our president. After we brought in a guy with no experience who was just a community organizer who hated cops who was supposed to be this social media president so he watches all day and he reads all this stuff and so he's more in tune with all the crazy shit which I'm not saying is good because he's got a job for Christ's sake but he does and then you have just simple things like this Molly Hemingway former CNN staffer sends along the following screenshot of Brian Seltzer Twitter feed earlier today in which he attacks Trump for allegedly sowing false hope right after retweeting Anderson Cooper reading a poem about hope and there it is every time he brings up something positive oh no we can't have that Educated hillbilly. The press has done nothing but spread fear and panic, making every healthcare worker job much more harder. I mean, thanks for the overtime and all, but sending patients into a mental breakdown is pretty crappy. Another person. Empowering people. They're trying to foment alarm. Leave it to CNN pundits to make everything about them. They're fucking narcissists. Head. Narcissist. Yeah, Brian Seltzer. For a segue for a second. Here's a soundbite of his HBO. Toxic right-wing liars versus heroic fact guardians of old media. The whole thing was a circus. The only serious thing was what they were trying to do, which is slime Robert Mueller with one of the worst things they can accuse him of. They got people talking about 
Robert Mueller and a sexual assault allegation in the same sentence. They meant to tarnish Bob Mueller's reputation to undermine his investigation into the president. What Berkman and Wool were doing was not only knowingly dishonest, and they know that, it was corrosive and destructive. This was about throwing shit on the wall. That's all they were attempting to do, to throw shit on the wall and get somebody to write about it. They would have been very satisfied at the times it just written, this is nonsense, because they would Google Jacob, and he might have come up on the top search, and I mean, he doesn't care what context his name is used in, does he? Doesn't seem like it. Are we trending? That's the real question. Are we trending? I'm sure we're trending. I mean, I really was offended by the whole thing. You know, I can come back to the Times, and the Times trusts my judgment, and I said, I'm not writing about this. I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to go try to find this woman, see if there's any there there. It's the same standard we would treat Kavanaugh's accuser. You need to find a victim, talk to the victim, interview the victim, and then determine if this is actually real. Uh, but I'm not writing about this news conference. Mainstream media needs to understand that it is operating in a propaganda-rich environment. There are no two realities. There is an intentional deception on one side, and there is an honest, if imperfect, process of trying to get as near the truth as we can on the other. It's relentless. This media and the age of Trump spend all their times saying how awesome they are and how horrible it is there's other people calling them out now and they're just in this protected cocoon of we're our freedom fighters tim grant graham first unintentionally funny moment in seltzer hbo after truth documentary portraying buzzfeed news as the antidote to unverified fake news yes the people who posted an entire invented trump p tape tim graham second unintentional funny moment Jack Berkman Presser, his fear of fake news, and then his developing t- de- devotion to using it, followed by guess who? Brywy. I mean, all day. That's what we have. This morning we woke up, America Divided. I taped it. I don't know if it was on Stars or Epics. And it's Amy Poehler talking about how we need to make sure illegals have a fair wage as house sitters. And our This Is America Today that I want to wait for because I want to have a good gnashing of teeth. We had a Supreme Court ruling on illegals fucking stealing people's identity. How that case even got there, is it constitutional? Yeah. So that's our media environment. So every time somebody puts out anything positive, it's, it's fucking bullshit. But at the same time, they're putting out positives. There's all sorts of people putting out. Jimmy fucking Fallon is doing an amazing job every night. Just doing a positive show. There's no Trump bashing. There's no politics. He's got his kids out there. They're in a fucking tent. It is the most magical thing I've ever seen. But our media? No, they're either grievousing or it's non-stop racism i'm gonna pay play 16 fucking minutes and this isn't even the tip of the spear of they're still stuck on the china virus the wuhan virus which is what it was called and the president saying it or people in the administration saying it it's so bad right now i when i talk about it on twitter and facebook i'm calling it the wuhan china COVID 19 kung flu just to piss people off, because this is all they've talked about 
when they're not talking about we're all going to die. To what you were just talking about earlier, it is easy to scapegoat people. And that is what has always happened when there have been pandemics or epidemics uh, that foreigners are are attacked. Foreigners sometimes physically attacked. Uh, if you look at what happened uh, during the, the Middle Ages, there was lots and lots of scapegoating uh, against an ethnic group or a religious group uh, whenever there were pandemics that affected the society and frightened a lot of people. And uh, China certainly feels that is what, happened, what is happening now uh, with people calling it the, the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or the, the China virus. This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. This is a bat virus, not a, uh, a China virus. Uh, it doesn't speak Chinese. It doesn't target Chinese people. Uh, it targets human beings who happen to touch their eyes, nose, or, or mouth. The president yesterday referred to this as a China virus, but the World Health Organization has really pushed back on this, saying that that is absolutely not the appropriate description. They say that the virus knows no borders and there is no racial uh, association with this virus. President Trump is also under fire for frequently referring to coronavirus as the Chinese virus. The president says the virus originated in China and he's pushing back on a Chinese official who had suggested the U.S. military brought the disease to Wuhan. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. I want to be accurate. But many Asian Americans say it is racist and that the president's actions have led to a growing number of attacks on the community, both verbal and physical. This morning, stunning news from China. Wuhan, where the virus started, reporting no new cases. China initially downplayed the threat, but Asia's experience of viruses like SARS meant millions of Chinese people were prepared for draconian measures. Those who did not comply forced into quarantine. Neighboring South Korea had a different, decisive and effective approach. Mass testing, one in 250 people to track and isolate coronavirus carriers. South Korea's mortality rate kept to 1%. And China and South Korea and those Asian countries, Hoda, may have helped uh, Western Europe and America by delaying the arrival of the coronavirus here, but now uh, they are worrying that they may get reinfected by the coronavirus uh, from the rest of the world. Trump is not just uh, waging war here in his, in his formulation, not just waging war against a virus. He's waging war against a Chinese virus. Um, so uh, let's just take a listen to how he talked about this today, uh, where to a greater degree than he has in the past, he put that kind of front and center where this virus comes from in Donald Trump's view of the world. I would like to begin uh, by announcing some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus, it's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I want to be accurate. Senator Cotton is saying that they should be punished, in so many words, for inflicting this on the American people. Do you feel that way about it? Well, I have a lot of respect for Tom Cotton, and uh, I know exactly what he's been saying. And there are those people that say that, so we'll see what happens. So, Peter, um, the president says, uh, no, this is not racist at all, when, of course, it's nakedly racist and obviously racist and blatantly racist. I ask you, uh, does this not 
Is this not the most predictable thing in the world that for Donald Trump it wouldn't be enough to go to war against the virus? He would be all the better if the war could be waged against a non a virus that he can pin on a non-white population uh, and pin on a population and a country that are as one of our economic adversaries that plays right down the middle of his kind of xenophobic populist foreign policy. This kind of seems like a golden opportunity for it to play, take a rip, rip a page out of the Trump political playbook and just apply it to this pandemic by creating the Chinese virus. Yeah, I think it goes to two aspects that we've seen over the last three years with the Trump presidency. One, of course, is that there are threats outside of our borders, and therefore we need to close them as much as we can, whether it be, uh, you know, drug dealers and, and rapists and criminals and gang members, and now, of course, disease. And uh, defying as a foreign threat is, is, is fits right into that worldview, the idea that uh, America is surrounded by enemies and we need to, to, to wall ourselves off to some extent to protect ourselves. It also fits into his desire at this point to make clear to the American people that this is not his fault, right? That he is not to be blamed for this. This is, in fact, uh, to be blamed on the Chinese, to be blamed on on foreigners. That it's not about anything he did or didn't do. Uh, it's about uh, you know one of our one of our overseas adversaries. And uh, you know it, it, again, that also fits in with the pattern we've seen over three years. Uh, that's not to say that the Chinese government couldn't have handled this better. They they obviously have, uh, you know, have plenty of things that we could scrutinize and, and, and criticize. In fact, that's one reason why they're kicking out my colleagues uh, yeah. and our and our compatriots in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post because we have tried very hard to, to scrutinize how China handled this and to tell the truth about their uh, their approach. But that's not what the president's talking about here. What he's talking about here, I think, is a threat from the outside that we can all rally uh, against uh, as Americans, in his view. Trump, meanwhile, has a catchy little nickname for the coronavirus. He now calls it the Chinese virus every chance he gets. Because, you know, they say a great way to prevent a virus from spreading is to name it something racist. That way people keep it on the down low. I don't know why he does this. Actually, I do know why he does this. It's to deflect blame away from him. It's like when he started calling Eric and Don Jr. the Ivana kids. We are, right now, we are basically living through a disaster movie in which the president is being played by Gary Busey. He's really going all in with this Chinese virus nonsense. At his press briefing today, someone got a shot of his notes very close up. You can see he crossed out the word Corona and wrote Chinese instead, which means even his speechwriter was like, I'm not writing that. You want it, you change it yourself. Somebody needs to take his Sharpie away. I've really had enough of this guy. You know what? Just shut up already and let the doctors take over. Seriously, you trump the shark. Go away. Hand it over to Mike Pence. Go sit in your room at Mar-a-Lago and scream at the television all day. We're tired. And what about the, the recriminations toward China? Both the president and the secretary of state both use the phrase China virus. Uh, even though the scientists, the experts say that we should not be referring to it that way. We don't refer to swine flu as, flu as the American virus. Well, I think, Andrew, we all know what's going on here. Uh, this is race baiting. This is a form of xenophobia. This is a form of uh, trying to make the make the, the, the crisis that we're all facing into somewhat of a nationalistic crisis or a U.S. versus China crisis. And the reality is, is a pandemic like this is one of the few examples that shows that everybody in the world is in the same boat. We're all part of a common humanity, and we all have to solve this problem together. And the idea that we would try to be driving wedges between countries 
whether or not we agree with them or don't agree with them, whether we work with them or don't work with them on other issues is somewhat besides the point. This public health crisis, I think, requires a president, a statesman, to reach out to any country willing to work with the United States and the global community to solve this problem. The president continues to call this the Chinese virus. It came from China. I mean, you think it's okay for him to say that? I do, because China is accusing American soldiers of causing this problem. So, yes, we're going to fight back. I'm not blaming Chinese government. It did come from China. They have openly suggested it was American soldiers who created this problem. This problem came out of China, and I do believe the Chinese government suppressed information that would have helped the world. More people are sick in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. More people are dead and dying in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. This crisis seems to have been designed to bring out the worst of Trump. Do you think it's cost people their lives? When he's saying don't test people because then the number of cases will go up, I mean, that that's Chernobyl-level gaslighting. I mean, when coronavirus broke out in China, people said, this is China's Chernobyl. Actually, it's Donald Trump's Chernobyl. You've called this his Chernobyl. What the Iran hostage crisis was the final year of Carter's presidency. This may be Donald Trump's Katrina. Looks like a Hurricane Katrina moment. What happened to Katrina? That's where we are now. An event like this, just like with Katrina, I mean, you think back to Katrina, it does harken back to Katrina. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and every time this president comes out, he gives inaccurate information. The worst emergency response to a pandemic that we have ever seen in this country. And Donald Trump should take the next month off and golf while someone else handles it. My second question is, there are some, at least one White House official, who use the term Kung Flu, referring to the fact that this virus started in China. Is that acceptable? Is it wrong? Are you worried that that having this virus be, uh, be talked about as, as a Chinese virus, that that might... I wonder who said that. that. You know who said that? that? I'm not sure the person's name, but would you condemn you the fact say that... Say the term Kung again. The, a person at the White House used the term just Kung Flu. My question is, do you think that's wrong, Kung Flu? And do you think using the term Chinese virus, that puts Asian Americans at risk, that people might target them? No, 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 no. I think they probably uh, would agree with it 100%. It comes from China. There's nothing not to agree. Okay, how about the last question? More and more, the president is now pointing the finger at China, repeatedly calling the disease the Chinese virus. There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all, no. Not at all. It comes from China. That's why. He's also on the defensive against claims that he wasted crucial time by downplaying the threat for months. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Today, President Trump falsely claimed the virus, quote, snuck up on us. Tonight, the president is also defending calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus, despite fierce criticism that the term is racist and stigmatizes Chinese Americans. His own CDC director saying it's inappropriate. President Trump tonight insisting it is not racist, but accurate, he says, because the virus started in China. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. That's why.
comes from China. I want to be accurate. Yeah, please, John. Please. I have great love for all of the people from our country. But as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe they stopped now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Do you believe that China is inflicting this upon our country? No, I don't believe they're inflicting. I think they could have given us a lot earlier notice. Absolutely. There are some, at least one White House official, who used the term Kung Flu, referring to the fact that this virus started in China. Is that acceptable? Is it wrong? Are you worried that that having this virus be, uh, be talked about as, as a Chinese virus, that that might... I wonder who said that. that. You know who said that? that? I'm not sure the person's name, but would you condemn He's, the fact... Say the term again. The, a person at the White House used the term Kung term. Flu. My question is, do Kung you think flu. that's wrong? Kung Flu. And do you think using the term Chinese virus, that puts Asian Americans at risk? That people it comes from China. Ian, what are we doing here? Well, um, President Trump hasn't referred to this as the Chinese flu until about two days ago. Uh, it links up with um, his policies in response to coronavirus imploding um, and the markets imploding in the United States. And it made it harder uh, for him to blame Obama, blame Biden. Um, he needs someone to blame. And China is the proximate uh, country. Um, and, and the problem with that, of course, is, I mean, yes, it did indeed come from China originally. And furthermore, the Chinese did indeed cover it up for the first month. So they are responsible. But on top of this massive market meltdown and economic shutdown we're seeing in the United States right now, picking a fight with the Chinese who feel vastly more confident today coming out of this crisis than they did after 2008 is going to cause more economic damage. And while it's politically expedient for Trump to do so in an electoral cycle, um, the likelihood that we end up in an economic fight with the Chinese where we pull out of the phase one trade deal, they're not buying the goods they promised to buy, and the Chinese are making gains in places like Europe, the Middle East, where they're actually providing humanitarian medical aid, supplies, personnel, and the Americans are actually undermining the relations with those countries the potential that we end up coming out of this coronavirus crisis in a cold war with the Chinese is becoming real. Ian, this speaks directly to what you were saying earlier, the need to blame, the need to attribute troubles to another source. There is plenty of blame here to go around, Brian. And ultimately, the Americans do have to. If you want to put America first, we should also be blaming our own leadership first. That's really the kind of America first we need to see. We have to see leadership in our country to take care of our own people. And, and I see a lot of passing of the buck right now. I don't see a lot of it. Stop but it's so serious. We can devote hours of what he called it. We can devote hours. He snapped back at Peter Alexander. It isn't treating the media good. We can spend hours on, oh my God, he's sowing false hope. There's some scientists that are saying this the drug is working, and it's not proven yet. And Fajuki says, well, it's not, we're using it, but we don't know, because he's a doctor, and that's what he has to say. And then it's a whole, he lied, people are going to die. And on our TV, we literally are having Chinese propaganda. 
including CNN and Joe Biden saying all these things about defending the Chinese, basically. When everybody in the world knows China fucked this up. They didn't get the word out. They suppressed it. They fucking jailed people that talked about it. It broke out. It's their goddamn fault. And they're on a full court press saying that we in America are responsible for this virus. But what does our media do? Because Trump's being mean to China, they defend China. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not they're competition for us. 这些消息至少是我们是没有达到人身上，所以美国今天这一针我还是觉得非常非常非常快的了，或者很早的了，有一点点。这有些时间它是没有办法跳跃的。对对对对，对吧？对，除非就说我们自己猜一下，就除非它
三四五六七八九十十一，三十三十四十四十六十七十八十九二十，哇，看到没有？三十多个人在排队。It's so bad. CNN brought Friedman on to say we need China.、Um, another thing I'm sure you're going to see is a huge explosion in 3D manufacturing.、Um, so we aren't dependent on these massive long supply chains when we do need, whether it's、uh, new, special face masks or when we do need ventilators.、Uh, the ability to manufacture in this country close to home,、mm. uh, I think there's going to be an explosion of that too. But let me just say one thing, Chris. Please. This is not the time. For a U.S.-China cold war, I can't think of anything more reckless. China is a source of capital that we're going to need when we want to grow out of this. It's a source of manufacturing prowess. These people could put up a hospital in a week.、Mm-hmm. We may, as their crisis winds down, we we may need to draw on that their manufacturing prowess. And at the same time, they're a source of science. Okay, and really, both the president of China and the president of the United States now, because they both feel guilty about,、uh, I think, acting too slowly early on, have found the perfect ener- enemy to deflect, you know, their guilt, and it's on each other, and it's absolutely the wrong time. You know, one of my rules of life, Chris, is: Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? You want to make a point about China now? This is not the time. If you want to make a difference, then we should be talking to the Chinese every day. How do we leverage their manufacturing? Capacity, their scientific capacity, and ultimately, we're going to need their capital just as we did in 2008 to stabilize the global economy. I give you a big amen, and I'm trying to follow it. I make a point of what this president does wrong in this situation to give him a chance to make a difference. That's why I'm trying to keep him to account because he's got too big、I'm、a stage, and time is too short. Tom Friedman, we need your head, we need your heart even more. It's It's the the two step. They do this under every president. You know, yesterday my wife had never watched Fahrenheit 9/11, and I'd watched pieces of it because that's when I found out one of my soldiers was actually in it, lying that he was a Republican, and now he's going to be a Democrat when he was already a Democrat. And I argued with him in Afghanistan. He was an older guy. He was older than me.、Um, and we flipped through it, and the protest on inauguration day. And I wasn't in the United States. I was in Korea, so I didn't even know that fucking happened. And here I am, looking back, going, "Holy shit! It's just like Trump. They tore shit down. He couldn't even take the walk." So they were prepared for Trump because this is what the left does. But it's it's what they do. They go inside with the enemy. Katie Rogers.、Um, Is this real life? Honestly, how do we get to a point where crap like this in New York Times is remotely acceptable? Katie Rogers, the fear and suspicion directed at China as a devastating early days of coronavirus outbreak have made a 180 degree turn. It is the West that now frightens Asia and the rest of the world. And she goes on and literally defends them on the cover of the New York Times. Stephen Miller. That own reporter botched her dumb question, but here again, there's an active campaign in our media absolve China of culpability. A、perfect example. A new wave of contagion is the exact language the PRC is using, and they show it. 
take precautions against the China virus. This is fucking Chi-Com propaganda. The Chinese government thinks they can get away with blatant anti-American lies deflecting blame on the pandemic. And you know what? They have good reason to think so because stunning and brave journalists like the New York Times are too happy to carry it. James Hassan, the New York Times story lauding China's, China's humanitarian efforts to combat the pandemic that has started may as well have been written by the Communist Party and only admits that China is actually selling medical equipment to Italy in paragraph 28. They're also stopping shipments of medical supplies to the United States. There is zero mentions of the fact that China forced scientists to erase their findings about the virus in December and arrested whistleblowers in January. Oh, and the China accusation that U.S. military caused this, just them responding to criticism clumsily. Totally shocked at the lead journalist on the byline, the New York Times bureau chief in Beijing. This is why the Times is garbage. Gee, I wonder if the CCP owns a few shares. AG, unbelievable. I guess China kicked the New York Times out of the country because they figured they couldn't just feed them propaganda to parrot without actually needing to be there. Uh, prodigal idiot. I knew the New York Times was a DNC activist already, but now I can add CCP shills. Jimmy. Some public health lessons we can learn from China. One, weld the infected in their homes and leave them there to die. Two, lie about the extent and characteristics of the disease. And three, imprison health workers who try to warn about the pandemic. But what do we have? If you call it anything over COVID-19, we know why you're doing it. That's a local NBC affiliate out of Denver. Reports by objective people. Coronavirus outbreak could have been reduced by 95% if China acted sooner. China Xinhua News. Why is Chinese virus so wrong? People on social media lash out against a xenophobic and racist name attached to coronavirus. Virus has no nationality. No nation can own it. Tactic to cast blame, distract from others. They're all Americans, including Richard Marx. He's in there. Richard Marks. I mean, it's it's fucking unbelievable that they would double down on the it's racist and go with, oh, the Chinese are great people. And I don't think they believe that. But once again, it's a GOP president. Our enemy is my friend because you know what? We hate Trump. So when they weren't Doing self-grievance about we got our feelings hurt because we asked fucking loaded questions trying to downplay any positive news because we want Biden to be president. Oh, it's fucking racist if you call it anything other than COVID-19. They were overreacting in spades. People are getting guns. They're going crazy. I'm saying crime is actually way down and generosity is way up. This is different than a riot or a public safety emergency. This is a public health emergency, and we have to remember that it's on all of us to do this, but we're certainly going to deputize many city employees to walk those streets, to drive around. If we see any folks that are still open, we'll just pay them a visit and let them know that this is something they have to comply with, and it's for their own health. In the very rare cases where somebody doesn't comply, of course, we can't enforce that. It's not unusual in times of panic to see people uh, buying of guns and ammunition. It doesn't help when you have state TV saying that the Democrats are using uh, coronavirus as a reason to take people's guns away. Quit the inflammatory China bashing. Did this virus originate in China? 
Yes. But Mr. President, that does not excuse your weeks and weeks of tweeting lies and misinformation about the virus, while the leaders of other nations were taking steps to make sure their populations could be safe. The fact that the virus originated in China does not excuse the massive missteps that have led to the United States being so far behind other nations in the world in the ability to provide testing, basic testing to citizens, including citizens who have serious signs of illness. The president's decision to call this China virus or Wuhan virus or other epithets that he and members of his team use are a crass effort to deflect blame away from the acceptance of responsibility that a president should do. The buck stops with you, Mr. President. You cannot blame this on anyone else. You know, we've talked for four years now, since 2015, in some ways about the theoretical death of a constitutional order, a governmental order that for all of its imperfections so many of us have valued. Now it's moved to a more literal phase. Uh, there's nothing amusing, diverting, uh, or simply uh, ab interesting in the abstract anymore about this presidency. Uh, we are facing the wages of not having been a serious enough country about the person mm. we sent to the Oval Office in 2016. Full stop. I could go on, but that, I think we all understand the point. And I'm not being, this is, I, I promise this is not being partisan. This is not some anti red hat thing. Look, I live in Tennessee. I'm George H.W. Bush's biographer. You know, I, I value the Republican Party that, that I knew when I was growing up. Uh, when I say I have conservative friends because I live here, that's redundant. So this is not some crazy yeah. left-wing thing. This is a, a clinical observation. I, I challenge any American, watch these briefings this week all the way yeah. through because the wheels come off at the end when he starts being uh, self-pitying. And... Tell me that you are confident that the lives of your family is, are safe in this man's hands. More people are sick in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. More people are dead and dying in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. This crisis seems to have been designed to bring out the worst of Trump. Do you think it's cost people their lives? When he's saying don't test people because then the number of cases will go up, I mean, that that's Chernobyl-level gaslighting. I mean, when coronavirus broke out in China, people said, this is China's Chernobyl. Actually, it's Donald Trump's Chernobyl. You've called this his Chernobyl. What the Iran hostage crisis was in the yeah. final year of Carter's presidency. This may be Donald Trump's Katrina. Looks like a Hurricane Katrina moment. What happened to Katrina? That's where we are now. An event like this, just like with Katrina, I mean, you think back to Katrina, it does harken back to Katrina. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and <laughs> every know. time this president comes out, he gives inaccurate information. The worst emergency response to a pandemic that we have ever seen in this country. And Donald Trump should take the next month off and golf while someone else handles it. To an article by Twitchy. Uh, the first of the doomsday predictions for so-called experts failed to come to pass today. They claimed our hospitals be creamed, so of course our friends in the left-wing media are just doing their best to pretend anyone pointing this out is crazy. 
just like InfoWars. They're desperate to discredit people who can do math and see that the sky is not falling. Joseph Stern, Trump's propagandists continue to spread information about the severity of COVID-19. Right-wing media is increasingly indistinguished from InfoWars. We need to brace ourselves to the fact that the psychopaths will lead, lie about the pandemic no matter how it gets. We're getting pounded. And Magila Narsana, a doctor at Long Island Jewish Medical Center, part of Noel Health, the largest hospital system in New York, I've been in ICU care for 15 years. This is the worst we ever had. But they said in 10 days, Ken Dillian, in 10 days, our hospital is going to be creamed. The hospitals aren't creamed. They're not needing all these respirators. Yes, the cases have gone way the fuck up, and I'll report them on the back end, but they haven't. All these articles over and over, Joe Pilot, mask and other PPE were hoarded as a result of the panic spread by people like you. The hospitals, by and large, entirely stable, equating a short shortage of equipment you spurred on with hospitals being overrun is a real propaganda. Slightly salty mayor, is there any hospital that's overwhelmed in the U.S.? Busy, but overwhelmed. No. There's a lot of cases in New York, and things are being diverted. Jackie Sheshmer. What do we have to lose? Maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Trump. Is Trump advocating experiencing on sick people? That's what the Nazis did. That's literally a take on him saying, we're going to use the the anti-malaria pill. Somebody says, when you're too batshit crazy to work on CNN. Dr. Evil, media, the sky's falling. Stop the sky from falling. Everyone panic. Most doctors. Sky's not falling. Quit stirring panic. That will make it worse. We needed more data and we'll get it. That is what we do. Media. Doctors are the problem. The sky's falling. CNN politics. Trump peddles unsubstantiated hope in dark times. Full articles. Jennifer Rubin. By the way, Trumpers, was this worth the tax cuts? Your 401k is now obliterated. Were the deaths and suffering of Americans that could have been prevented by competent leadership worth anything? Somebody literally sent a picture. I'm keeping this forever. There's a house fire. People are running, and there's this girl smiling and laughing at a camera. That's what our media is doing. They are in glee with everything. They're talking about unemployment at a record. They've wiped out everything Obama's done, because that's what they said in the beginning of the week. By the end of the week, it is... Oh, the Trump economy is horrible. We can use this to get him unreelected. And yes, cases are up. Deaths are up. It's happening. But as we started the show, it's not happening at a level that is worse than the flu. During the whole time we've been sitting here, more people have died of the flu than COVID-19. Literally. That's the fact, Jack. But they had to take to the airwaves and blame Trump. People are really coming to grips with the incredible cost of having elected a man like Donald Trump to be president. I think what's helping and what's driving this Biden surge is that people are reckoning with that cost. You know, people sort of felt with Barack Obama as the backdrop that they sort of had all of these options, you know, that you could sort of make all these choices about going to iconoclasm or do you really want Hillary? You know, I don't really think she's good enough for me. And people made those choices with Obama as the backdrop. With Trump here, this was like hiring William Shatner to be an airline pilot because he was James T. Kirk and he piloted the Enterprise. 
This man has no capacity to lead this country. He fired the pandemic office, and then he lied and said he didn't. Now the video is out showing, yes, he did. He doesn't understand government. He's got a guy working for him like Steve Mnuchin who thinks you can do a payroll tax cut. Folks, I'm talking to the restaurant industry. They're going to have to lay their people off. If you aren't getting a paycheck, a payroll tax cut does absolutely nothing for you. What's the point of that? So I think that the Republican Party also has to really start to rethink. If you, if you don't believe in government, you cannot govern. And someone like Donald Trump as president is absurd in this sort of situation. And I think Biden is benefiting from the fact that he is a man of government. It's irresponsible not to begin focusing on the general election. You can do it in a respectful way. That work has to happen right now. Because what's clear over the last few weeks is if you give Donald Trump a second term, my goodness, we literally may not survive it. And I think the great lesson tonight of the primaries is that America wants a president who reminds them of other presidents. You tweeted this morning about your approval rating amongst Republicans. You have said that you give yourself a 10 in terms of handling this crisis. How do you reassure Americans at home who don't trust you to handle a crisis of this magnitude? Your credibility ratings are very low. There was a recent NPR poll. Who are you asking of that question? I'm uh, asking... Because I see that they're very high. You know, if you look, I'm 95% of the Republican Party. Credibility, uh, we sir. just had a poll that was done by... Uh, uh, a very reputable group where I'm beating Sleepy Joe Biden by a lot in Florida, in the state of Florida and in other states. Uh, you know, so I don't really know who you're talking about. I'm struck by what Dr. Burke said about millennials and others perhaps not taking some of these warnings yeah. as seriously as you would like. Some of those people also seem to be your supporters and conservatives who may be quoting some of what you said at the beginning of this, comparing it to the flu. Uh, what is your message to them to really follow what you've been saying so far? And are you concerned that they're still listening maybe to some of your earlier comments rather than your more recent ones? Well, I think my earlier comments are to be calm. I mean, I, I do want people to be calm because we're going to win this and we're going to win it. It's just a question of time. And I wanted to go quickly. So based on the fact that I wanted to go quickly, I hope they just listen to what we've been saying over the last period of time. We don't want them gathering. And I see they do gather, including on beaches and including in restaurants, young people. Uh, they don't realize that they're feeling invincible. I don't know if you felt invincible when you were very young, but uh, they were feeling totally invincible or are feeling that way, but they don't realize that they can be carrying lots of bad things home to grandmother and grandfather and even their parents. So we want them to heed the advice. We mean the advice, and I think it's getting through. I do believe it's getting through, Jim. If they're watching, if they're watching, what do you say to them if they're watching? Sorry. If they're what? I think there are a lot of them watching, a lot of these people at home, these young people. Well, I what, think what I just said it. But I was going to say, what do you say? Heed the advice. Heed the advice. I just said, yeah. Okay. Thank you. From another article, media has been super busy trying to convince the masses that Trump didn't take the coronavirus seriously enough, but they were far angry at him way back in January when he barred entry in the U.S. from China because, you know, that was racist or xenophobe. Lindsay Feefield was good enough to compile reactions to the president being very proactive long before they were bitching at us about calling the China virus the China virus. It came from China. That doesn't make a racist saying so. Anyway, the thread is spectacular. Took a break to read back and see how the media covered Trump's 131 announcement barring entry in the U.S. from China, and who boy, many in the scientific community beclown themselves because their hatred of Trump blinded them and does this. 
an emotional or political reaction entering the U.S. with China. That was New York Times. Holy crap, flashback to WAPO quoting the Chinese FM slamming Trump administration 131 travel ban and noting that the WHO still operating under Chinese disinformation at the time was against Trump move to stop entry of the U.S. And China, in disregard of the WHO recommendation against travel restriction, the U.S. went to opposite way. The foreign minister said, they were quoting Chinese. You guys, the travel ban in China was driven by conservative lawmakers and far-right supporters of the president. Public health experts, however, warned that the move could do more harm than good. That was another article. From The Verge, 131, apoplectic that Trump was going against WHO recommendation because he's such an anti-science xenophobe. Look at this, Jim, from Vox.com. First off, not sure why the headline changed. Super weird. But don't worry, Google never forgets. Wuhan coronavirus, travel bans for disease like this don't. The evidence on travel bans for disease like coronavirus is clear. They don't work. That was the original. All this pales in comparison to Lori Garrett in foreign policy lavishing praise on the Chinese for the response while viciously admonishing the Trump administration for going against WHO, recalling the travel ban and improvisation. I bet the CCP won't be banning Lori. Whole article, Trump has sabotaged America's coronavirus response. And I know, I know, it's BuzzFeed, but let's reflect on just how widespread this disinformation really was that this global health law expert just couldn't help himself from slamming Trump and calling these measures an overreaction, BuzzFeed. Uh, along with U.S. citizens self-quarantine at home, he said, like, likely violated civil rights without leading to any real lowered risk of the U.S. outbreak. We are slipping from overconfidence into panic and overreaction, they said. Remember... Three weeks later, he didn't act fast enough. Now he didn't act fast enough. They need to charge him with manslaughter. And liberal cities have gone draconian, locking people in, arresting people, not arresting people for doing crimes, releasing prisoners. There's no articles on that. She continues, while this got around, very glad he wasn't one of the brilliant minds of the White House. Oh, wait, he used to be another one. We need to use least restrictive measures necessary to safeguard the population. I think that this has to be the last one I post for now. Maybe after this, I need to go walk my dog and have some wine. Maybe at the same time, my God, this one. The administration doesn't have seasoned, experienced people in global health in the White House. It's not like under Obama administration where there were really experienced people who were advising the president. While 12,500 people died from H1N1, it was a massive pandemic that did millions of people, and we didn't do any of this. None. I wish I had saved the conversations for exact times. I have a friend who watches CNN. They went from Trump is a racist, and this is just a mild flu bro narrative, to Trump's an incompetent, lazy racist, and we're all going to die. With one unrelated 12-minute block separating them. Margaret Cleveland, the best, though, is the rep Dina Titus said, the travel ban from China after knowing its positive impact. 
I think you said it earlier that we rejected the academic models that advise against travel boundaries or travel restrictions and gave the advice to president to the country. What would make you think you could reject an academic model based on scientific study and evidence and advise a president? Was that like bad politics or opposed to good science? I think it's probably is that. This administration had very little respect for anything intellectual, and this is yet another example. While Titus condemned Trump's refusal to blindly follow an academic model, most Americans, if they knew of this detail, would likely applaud the president for his decisive leadership that likely saved countless American lives. Blake Ward, maybe after this COVID-19 hysteria goes away, we'll have a national conversation about what country actually owns our media. It's been 10 days. The hospitals are fine. When they said they're going to give the sheet, the ships, to help, Defense Secretary Mark Esper confirms Navy hospitals won't treat coronavirus patients. It will take weeks to deploy. That's what he said up front. It'll take weeks to deploy. He said that. Now, they're not going to treat people on the ships. They're going to treat other people. And while we're all sitting here doing all the dick dances, I don't know how this is going to sound. I hope it sounds good. These are people looting in San Francisco. Which brings us to our ugly, ugly. Melania Trump treated up something about being nice to people. Rick Wilson from CNN and MSDNC, he goes on both, tweeted, hashtag be infected. He then said, Anyone who thought I was wishing COVID-19 on Melania is a fuckwit. You know full well it was a riff on B-Best and its utter failure in the face of her husband's continued role as global troll-in-chief and national bully. That said, fap to your fake-ass outrage all you like. No condemnation in the media. No, I can't believe he fucking did that. And this is what this guy does. It's lengthy, but this is Rick Wilson. He's on your TV all the time. I personally think it's worse than Trump ever does. Okay. So uh, I've been saying for about two years that I hope we have a recession. (laughs) And people get mad at me as Sean Hannity thinks I'm actually causing a recession. I do not have this power, but he seems to be wanting to blame it on me like I'm a genie. I can make it happen. I'm just saying we can survive a recession. We've had 47 of them. We've had one every time there's a Republican president. Um, They don't don't last forever. You know what lasts forever? Wiping out species and people. But this week, the UN report came out more than a million species of plants and animals are at risk of extinction. So Trump, of course, did what any evil villain would do. He rolled back the protections of the Endangered Species Act. This has saved the green sea turtle, the American alligator, the peregrine falcon, bald eagles, grizzly bears, gray wolves, humpback whales. 
And this is just the animals. There's now, there's going to be a new word in the language, flint water. There's now flint water in Newark. So, yes, a recession would be very worth getting rid of Donald Trump and these kind of policies. You know, Bill, and it would get rid of him. You know, Bill, a recession would definitely knock him out of office. I got to say, the, 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 bring on the recession if it means that you replace, uh, and I say this as a Republican of the Teddy Roosevelt variety, if you replace a goddamn oil lobbyist who runs the fucking EPA right now <laughs> right. With, with a human being. Well, that's what would happen. It's yes. outrageous. That's it's what outrageous. would happen. And uh, Donald Trump can piss me off 50 times a day. But when I read the, 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 the environmental species thing, I'm this is just punitive dickishness by these people. Yes. They're just doing this to be assholes. They want their base to be like, we're taking their regulations away. And so, you know what? I'm from Florida. I, I hunt, I fish, I go outside. I like it. I like the eagles in my backyard, okay? Right. I, I like and you're the, not killing them. No, I like Florida panthers. I like, I like the, the fact that we have a big, diverse you know, ecosystem. These guys are just doing this. It is just performative assholery. The wall has always been a con for Donald Trump's credulous rube ten-tooth base. The wall has always been a scam. It has always been a lie. Nothing about the wall has ever been real, and Donald Trump knows it. He is, he is a guy who has a long history in his career as being a con man. He is conning these people who believe he's going to build a 2,000-mile, 30-foot-high concrete wall with laser moats and alligators in it. It's just crazy. It always has been. And yet they suspend their disbelief because they believe so strongly in Donald Trump. And this is, like I said, it's always been a con. It's always been a scam. It's an insult to their intelligence, but obviously it seems to work with his base because they believe it over and over again mm -hmm. that nothing will stop the brown horde except the wall. Yeah. Well, and the whole Game of Thrones thing, the wall didn't work in Game of Thrones. Don't just... <laughs> Right. He, shouldn't he know that? Walls with don't. the impaling spikes. With yeah. the impaling spikes. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because it's gone from a big concrete wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for with a with a big beautiful door in it, uh, to I guess fencing, to slats, to spikes on top, to whatever you want to call it. And the supporters will say, it's, "Okay, it's yeah." End with the. Go on. No. It's going to end with being a, a the, the freedom ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Rick. Look, Finish. Again, Donald Trump does not inspire fear for, for no reason. He does it deliberately. It is a deliberate strategy. It is used frequently by authoritarian leaders in this world. The members of the Senate and the members of the House know the fundamental rule. Don't be the first guy to stop clapping when Saddam is speaking. Don't be the first guy to put your head up or it's going to get cut off. And that has happened to an awful lot of Republicans. You know, we lost 42 Republican seats in 2018, and a lot of those people were the ones who dared to say something about Trump and then got slammed from the right by Trump's people and lost their seats. That's a, that is a, he is a guy who governs entirely by fear in the minds of those people in the House and the Senate. Let's uh, go ahead and have her, and now you can respond, Steve. Okay, so Rick con continues with these insanely insulting terms. And by the way, I will tell you this. I wear your scorn as a badge of honor. I really do. And and this kind of condescension from unlikable elites is one of the reasons we won in 2016 and a reason we're going to win again. But for you to compare 
hundreds of thousands of Americans who've been to these rallies, these wonderful Trump rallies, for you to compare them to Nazis, for you to call us crazies. The last time I was on, the last time I was on TV with you, you called Trump voters toothless rubes. For you to continue to use all of these terms of derision and all of this condescension, it only reinforces the need, unfortunately, in this country, the need that we had for the electoral revolt of the America First movement. And yes, we needed somebody to lead that movement who was a fighter, and he is at times indelicate and brash, okay? But, and he can at times be offensive, but he has also produced results for this country like we have never seen before in only three short years, particularly for the people who needed it most, working class people, minorities, people with less education, and all the while kept America out of disastrous foreign intervention. That is the America First agenda. Since we have four, count them, we didn't plan this, but since we have four former Republicans here, um, uh, you will hear from, like, our good friend Charlie Pierce, that the party was always corrupt, it was always rotten, it was always racist, you are now reaping what you sow. Uh, Rick, there are a lot of times where I've been sitting around the last three years going, wait a second, were the liberals right? Were all those liberals that said the GOP was racist and that evangelical? Like, all the things that I've been my entire life, evangelical, Southern Baptist, right. uh, a proud Southerner, uh, like, you just, you just go down the list. Right now, you look at it, and, you know, 95% of the people who voted for me when I was running a very, on a very different platform, uh, they're all Trump supporters now. You know, I think that Trump catalyzed some very dark things that we wanted to look away from from a long time for a long time, and we kind of wanted to keep the crazy uncle part of the party in the closet, whip them out to vote. Every we usually did. We usually did. And we I mean, I used had, I used to mock the press for always going for the wacko early in the process. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, you do that because right. this reinforces what you believe about Republicans. They'll never make it. I wrote a column called Crazy Never Wins in 2012. And we usually got the Mitt Romneys. We usually got the Bob Doles. We usually got. Kelly has a master's degree in European studies from Cambridge University. Right. Also, he doesn't really say that she couldn't identify Ukraine on a map. He insinuates it's just a it's just a petty attempt to put her down, right? Is that what this is? Of course, of course. It, it, it's it's a it's he's just trying to demean her, and it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump, um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. You, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, Ukraine. Oh, my God. But, but, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what Rick. NPR should Why do? not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you, me you a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. That was good. Sorry. 
Rick, you, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, so listen. Can, can, let's I, get tell back what, to can I tell you what NPR should do? NPR. <laughs> NPR should take a black Sharpie, circle it all around that whole subcontinent, around Bangladesh and Ukraine, and just be like, there, there's Ukraine, right in the middle. All right, so just in honor of Donald Trump. A U with a crane on it. That is hilarious. Yeah. That's some heinous shit. But that's not taken down. It's not condemned in our media. You can wish death on somebody. He didn't say that as a riff. There's outright, it's all over Twitter. Hope he gets infected. Hope he dies. CNN, Washington Post, run articles like this. Analysis, one in eight Trump voters lives in a county with no ICU beds. This is literally the dumbest effing statistic that anyone's ever posted. The implication is a premise of stories like these is positively ghoulish. Translation, people who live in rural communities are ignorant, and if they were smarter, they would live in large metropolitan areas with bigger hospitals. Why is this post even relevant, except to make a coastal elite WAPO writer feel superior? (coughs) While this is going on, Damn super PAC gear up to spend millions on ad campaign blaming Trump for coronavirus. They took every bill we did and they used it that way. And simultaneously breaking yesterday, three Republicans and two Democrats got caught selling stocks before the sell-off. All you've heard is Republicans in our news. It's everywhere. Burr. That's all you've heard. You don't hear about Feinstein. And then we have the guns. Bueno, como les estábamos contando antes de irnos a comerciales, algo está ocurriendo porque en medio de la crisis del coronavirus, el miedo de la gente se refleja de diferentes maneras. Pues sí, unos compran productos de higiene, papel de baño, otros están comprando, ¿qué crees? Pistolas, armas de fuego, municiones. El caso es que la venta de armas de fuego se ha disparado en toda la nación. El sitio web animo.com, amo.com, está reportando que sus ventas crecieron más del 220% en las últimas tres semanas. ¿Pero qué tiene que ver eso, no? ¿Hay, hay alguna explicación? Yo sé que te estamos metiendo en cosas que no es tu especialidad, yo, pero... Yo, te decía, yo les decía fuera de cámara que ya yo he llegado a pensar que la correlación entre cualquier desastre natural... Y comprar armas siempre es una relación directa. Es un huracán, compran armas. Es un terremoto, compran armas. Una pandemia, compran armas. O sea, yo personalmente no, no logro ver algo particular de, de la pandemia y, y comprar armas. Excepto que los americanos cada vez que pasa algo sienten que va a haber un apocalipsis. It's non-stop. It's just non-stop. If it was so important and we need to be so worried about this... Why do you have time for everything? Why is it political? The numbers have gone up. 19,823, 276 deaths. It's still the same thing we talked about. New York, Washington, California, New Jersey, Illinois, they're all infected. If Republicans were like them, we'd be saying, well, those are all blue states. What the fuck did you do? Total deaths, 83 in New York, or 56 in New York, 83 in Washington, 24 in California. These are all clusters. My state, or Oregon, 114, four deaths. Uh, Tennessee has 265 and one death. 
But if we pulled up the flu, those numbers would be higher. It's the flu. It's just the flu. It's a bad flu. And I still forfeit. If we had a dim president, we would be doing none of this. Oh, there'd be no second guessing. There'd be nothing, no scare stories about how there's not enough breath, um, uh, ventilators for everybody on the fucking planet, shortages of masks and gloves. None of that stuff would come up. There just wouldn't be. And I've seen, I've yet to see a story on, well, why aren't local governments prepared for these things? Where are their stores? Where is each state's response to outbreaks? We, we pay all these taxes. We all have emergency systems, emergency management systems. Granted, where I live, it's more about, hey, we need to make sure we're ready for tornadoes. And on the coast, it's, oh, we got to watch out for hurricanes. But where is their prep for this? Why don't they have anything? And then every time something big comes, the administration, like everybody else, goes up there and says, hey, we did this, this, and this, and this is going. And then the media goes, well, he's a racist. Uh, the media goes, he's given false hope. I still am, unlike many Americans, going, there's something that's not adding up to all of this. Not being a hypocrite, I still go out in public, I'm still safe, I'm still washing my hands, I make sure I avoid crowds, I don't go out for useless shit, I stay home a lot until next Tuesday when I have to go to a medical appointment. But I question why all of this shutting down towns. To the left, it's just an emergency that we can take care of the people that we want to vote for us. To the media, it just seems like it's a shooting gallery. We're going to criticize him for everything because we don't want him to get elected. And like many Americans out there, I truly wonder if this happened in 2019, not 2020, would it be this way? I mean, it's hard not to put on a tinfoil hat after Russia, 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 Kavanaugh, impeachment, and all the stuff we've read for four years. I'm not a Trumper. I personally am annoyed by him quite often with his Twitter shit. But, God damn. You can't one minute say he's overreacting and two seconds later he is to blame for deaths. You can't do that. But that's what we have in our media. And if you live in Twitter, which I'm starting to in my board times while my wife's watching a show I don't want to watch, the things that are being said, the Twitter feeds, I mean, they're on board. I mean, they're fully on board. If we go right now... And randomly, I might be wrong and make an ass out of myself. And click Explore on Twitter. Stay at home social distancing. MSNBC's Maddow. Uh, what does this say? Now, let me click on it. This is the number two that I'm seeing. 
Breaking Pinocchio's accused Trump of lying once Trump kept on TV. Blast fairy tales news briefing. Maddow wants Trump kept off TV. And that that's number two. And I'm not even, you know, uh, following her. Uh, Dolly, coward of the county because he died. Uh, Kenny Rogers. Um, Germany counts 16,000. Uh, it may not have cured COVID, but at least the celeb-filled image video delivered some choice parodies, which I'm actually going to play on my, this is, this is really bad. Your limited food options, your coronavirus emotions equal your new quarantine litten, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you go to the news sites for news, and I click the news tab, it's Kenny Rogers, NBC News and MSNBC play tribute to veteran employee who died of coronavirus. Bondi Beach closed the temp proof. This is how the great coronavirus crash of 2020 is different. Uninsured U.S. women charged close to 35000 for COVID-19 treatment. Uh, Trump's shifted tone on coronavirus has impacted his approval with American polling suggests because he's up to 55 fucking percent, like we said last time. Welcome to America under COVID. Trudeau announces irregular migrants will be turned around. U.S. military reparates standard women's football team. Budget cuts make California vulnerable for pandemic. How power companies are keeping your lights on. When a high fashion house becomes a healthcare supplier in the era of coronavirus. And the front is not Feinstein, it's Senator Lawfer dumped millions of stock. I watched an interview with her. She didn't do that. Her stock broker did. She had nothing to do with it. But she doesn't get a pass. I have yet to see a story from mainstream media about Senator Feinstein. That's not even a story. It's like they want us panicked. It's a lot of effort. And it makes you question, why? To a music break, and the music break, you know, fuck it. We're going to play our lighter fare and dog it to start off our uh, news and social media nuggets. Um, <clears throat> I had some positives I was going to play. Uh, well, well, let me see. Do, is there any stuff in here I really think we should listen to? We can use that as our... Um, I'm going to play a couple plot positives. You'll hear some positives taking us into news and social media nuggets. And we'll come into the sound of a B-52 buzzing... A fucking, an aircraft carrier, pretty fucking sexy. So, that, positives that I did find in the media. There's a lot, there's more than usual, but it's the same old, same old. A leader has to lead from the front. And so what President Trump came out job and some of what point. he announced today was it's, it's a tough job, but it has to be done. And some of what he said today was good. But the reality is he also stood at the podium and uh, called the coronavirus COVID-19 uh, what I would suggest is a racial slur. It's something that Why? is offensive is to me, uh, Chinese Americans. To call it a Chinese virus that when it originated in China. Why is that a problem? that is offensive. It is something that is offensive to many Americans. And so the reality is, instead of name-calling, instead of pointing fingers, instead of talking about so poll numbers, let's be let's serious. Just talk let's about be what serious we can for a second here. You know, the, the I, MERS virus, MERS virus is, is, is M-E-R-S. Do you know, wait a minute. Do you know why it's called MERS? Why is it called MERS, that virus? 
You tell me, Martha, you brought because it up. Because it's called the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, because that's where it originated. So this idea, you know, this, this sort of rabbit hole of, of, you know, getting into this whole issue of racism, I just think is so counterproductive to what we're we're trying to do here. And I just talked to this amazing scholar on China moments ago who said absolutely China at the leadership level has tried to obfuscate and be everything, everything but transparent since the very beginning. They lied and lied and lied about this situation. This so is why about, is it not Martha, okay to recognize where it originated? This isn't about... This is not about uh, if China has been forthright and forthcoming. The reality is, yes, it is. Uh, That's the Chinese exactly government about. denied <laughs> the reality, not, not in terms of uh, what the president of the United States is referring to this virus at, from the podium. The reality is, yes, the Chinese government refused to let um, American scientists in to, to, to research, yeah. to see what was That's going right. on. That is a stark difference than what happened in the Ebola crisis right. um, when the United States government demanded to come in into African countries. And so so that is something we should have and have to continue to push for. Yeah. But my only point is, and I think the point of folks across the country who have raised um, an alarm or a question about this or a concern, is that they have noted that it is offensive to them. And in times of strife, particularly when we're dealing with a pandemic that is currently affecting people that have mm -hmm. had no contact with anyone um, overseas. Yeah. No, no one is suggesting that American with... Chinese people are responsible. Every thinking human being who looks at this understands that he, that the re reference is to the origin of the virus and also the leadership in terms of how that virus was handled in the country of origin. So I, I'm going to leave it well, there. Well, again, Martha, at the beginning I of mean, this segment, you talked. Right. So it's a hard thing for people to grasp. But the number of cases we have right now, and even those tragic figures you just read, are going to seem minuscule in a week. The number of cases we will have will double every three days. Right now it's exceeding that. And we have a large number of cases that are untested still. So with all due respect to your other guests, there's not a governor in the country that's waiting for the federal government right now. They are all acting. What they need is coordination because we have, believe it or not, we have masks, we have a lot of these things. Guess where they are? They're sitting in the supply chain, people are profiteering off of them, or they're going to places where people are hoarding them. Now that happens in a crisis. It's only, because, it's only by someone looking through the entire system and seeing where those needs are that you can say, stop hoarding them all in Texas. We need them in New York right now while we build manufacturing capability and put them in Texas. So what your other guest is suggesting here is not helpful. We need a great partnership between the federal and state government. Bullshit people. Uh, Craig, you want to sit down and respond to this? I guess Craig has left. Um, Andy, he doesn't agree with you at all. I guess not. But look, these are trying times, and everyone's trying their best. And I know Craig is, I don't know Craig personally, but I'm, I'm sure he's working his hardest and trying his best. Uh, everybody is. Uh, this is these are unprecedented times. Um, so uh, understandable that he's frustrated. Can we see if we can get Craig back? Um, I, I'd like him to just, to just respond if we can. I, I'd never like to leave a conversation like that. Um, Andy, I'm going to say goodbye to you in the meantime. Thank you very much for joining us. And joining me now is Senator Sanders' campaign is much more than just a presidential campaign. It represents dozens of grassroots organizations, thousands of activists and organizers, uh, Latinos, young people, millions of people that right now during this crisis 
uh, even before it felt like they were in a crisis, right? Because here in America, uh, even before this pandemic hit, we have 60% of Americans that can't afford an $800 uh, emergency bill if that happened tomorrow, right? Uh, we have small business owners right now in the midst of the pandemic that aren't sure if they're going to have the support that they need. Right, but what does that mean moving forward? I mean, what that means, I think, right? Feelings, but but. If what I, what I think Trump that means right now is that millennials uh, just we want Donald Trump to be defeated, too. I think there is nobody here that does not want Donald Trump to be defeated. And I think the question uh, that I would add that I think Joe Biden, as the you know, what looks like to be the presumptive nominee who needs to focus on also unifying the party is the fact that millennials are going through their second recession right now uh, and that you have to be able to appeal to them. I hope so. And I think I think the one that we do need to do, too, though, is just let's just call it COVID-19, not Wuhan or China or, you know, coronavirus. Let's call it the COVID-19, Kyle. That, I think that'll bring us all together. Can we do that? Come up with a common name? You know, Brian, I'll agree with you on a lot of things. But, you know, changing the, the naming convention for viruses that's, that's gone on for the last hundred years, the point of origin has always helped people understand which virus it is. And the Chinese Communist Party has asked the world or actually really propagandized the world with this COVID-19. If we start naming diseases after numbers, uh, we're never going to remember what kind of disease it is. I understand. This, this, I just I want to make sure we don't make it, we, we don't take it to a country level. You know what I mean? Because this is a global fight. You would agree with that, right? You know, we call things West Nile virus. Why don't we call it the Wuhan flu? You know, we can call it whatever we want to call it. I'm not going to call it what the Chinese government wants me to call it. Do you believe the Chinese report that there are no new transmissions in the Wuhan province, uh, no local transmissions today? You know, if you watch the trend lines over time and if you watch them as you line them up with South Korea, they're very similar. So at this point, at this moment, we would believe those data. I think everyone's still concerned about why we weren't alerted earlier. Just to take the people inside some of the debate there at the White House, what in your mind was the moment that changed the president's tone? You know, he had obviously evolved in how he talked about this over weeks and, and just how he expressed it. And then we saw him Monday and Tuesday with a really completely different tone. Was it that U.K. study uh, that showed if we didn't do anything, 2.2 million Americans could die? I think it was a combination of factors all along. He's been looking at the data, and I think we were all encouraged by the data coming in from China and South Korea. But then when we started to see the data coming in from Italy and what it means when you don't respond really urgently. So with the airport closures to, to both um, China and then Europe, we prevented what we would call a lot of seeding of new cases into the United States. Remember, three or four months ago, there, this virus was not in America. So it's come to the American shores. So decreasing the travel and preventing those travelers from bringing in more virus was critical. But once you could see how in Europe the virus was dramatically expanding and really his concern of the elderly and the particularly vulnerable groups and that higher mortality, the higher deaths among those with pre-existing conditions, I think everyone was very compelled, including the president. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. 
If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Were you trying to get crazy with this, eh? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner, I've been waiting to get some statistics before we did another Military Corner, and I just got them, and they're what I thought they'd be. Um, it's not crazy, but it's a lot, and you got to think, the contact of a military base from every part of a community, every country, and it all gets brought on post, and of course, you know, they didn't have the time to quarantine everybody, they are now. But you couldn't in the beginning because this wasn't a big deal. So there's 67 military, 26 dependent, 15 civilian, and 16 DOD contactors. On current cases, eight have required hospitalization, two Secret Service members, two civilian, two dependents, and two contractors. While the Defense Department has not broken the data down, here are some of the cases. Um, Marine Corps, Quantico-based Marine was Virginia's first coronavirus, March 7th. He went to Fort Belvoir. Two Marines at Marine Air Station Miramar, depended at Camp Lejeune. A Marine at Camp Lejeune also tested positive. Navy, a sailor aboard the guided missile destroyer Ralph Johnson. Um, literal combat ship Coronado. Navy closed the San Diego schoolhouse after two students got it. A staff member with U.S. 2nd Fleet out of Norfolk. Sailor from Naval Base Point Loma. Navy civilian at U.S. Navy Bureau of Medicine and Surgery. A soldier aboard the amphibious assault ship Boxer. Uh, was diagnosed with coronavirus March 15, following a March 9th family day on seashore, which is terrible. Another sailor from Navy Base San Diego is in isolation, and a sailor in Italy in the Army. U.S. soldier in South Korea was the first confirmed active duty on February 25th. Uh, I'm assuming he's better by now. A soldier's wife contacted Korea-based widow of retired soldier got it. A sailor assigned to U.S. Army Europe got it. Air Force, Minot, where my daughter is, part one adult non-military. Airman at Fairchild, Civilian employee at Maxwell, somebody at Moody, which is a great base. 
Two are being treated at Travis and an active duty airman assigned at Altus. On March 14th, Department of Veterans Affairs announced the first VA, a veteran in his 70s in Portland, who underlying health issues. All right. The VA also tracking 130 positives. The VAs, and I put this out to anybody's military enlisted, just so you know it's there. Ann Arbor, Arizona, Atlanta, Bay Pines, Birmingham, Bronx, Chicago, Cleveland, Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, South Carolina, Dayton, Denver, Detroit, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fresno, Hudson, Kansas City, Lebanon, Long Beach, Madison, Miami, Milwaukee, New Jersey, New York Harbor, NOLA, has a shit ton, that's 42, Orlando, Palo Alto, Portland, Oregon, Puget Sound, San Diego, San San Juan, Sioux Falls, Southern Nevada, Togus, Toma, Washington, D.C., West Palm Beach, and White River Junction. The Department of Defense has issued 1,574 tests. VA has administered 848 to date. So it's affecting the military in ways you wouldn't think. Coronavirus will delay promotions for nearly 160,000 sailors. The first SEAL got it. Troops deploying to CENTCOM will go into quarantine before they can get out. And there's all sorts of articles of how horrible that is. um, Because it's Army, you know, you're in a fucking tent. Probably heater broken or (laughs) AC, depending on where you are. Um, with cor- coronav- coronavirus on three ships, Navy leaders are told to cut the mass gather- gatherings. Um, it's on the ships, which is scary. Armies were shuttering recruiting stations. A sixth recruit show. If they didn't come up positive, they got to go in. But it, it's they surpassed their goals, and they're just shuttering recruiting stations. There is talk of literally slowing down basic training. Like, if you're in, just keep them away from everything. And, you know, if I was in charge, i got to be quite honest. If it was basic training, it'd be just like I said with the jails. Those motherfuckers would get three MREs a day. There'd be no civilian contact. You just train the fuck out of them, and they'll be okay. I still want to go back to the Hunter First Division commander. He's right. Put them in the goddamn field. And I, I, I'm telling you, living next to a base, they're doing it. I um, had insomnia the other night because I slept for ten and a half hours. I think I bragged about it on a podcast, and then that was my undoing because I was just fucked. And so I woke up at two in the morning and sat out and watched TV. My house was shaking, and the impact zone for actual serious shit were the live fires and aircraft, some aircraft bomb, but mostly, you know, loaches and fucking <clears throat> Apaches blow shit up and already in mortars my house was shaking because that was the eod range and they definitely were having some fun because that was a big blast i'm a ways away from the demo range on fort campbell but the front of my house shook um so they're having fun i went on the front porch and had some fun listening to it all right to other military use the air force and spacex are teaming up for a massive live fire exercise where they'll be using their starlink satellites which i think is kind of cool TRICARE to add female Viagra in the drug list. Now, I'd heard about this years ago, but I didn't know it was actually in circulation. So I got to admit, I looked at the wife and said, what up? Might want to get you a little bit of them pink pills. I'm just saying. And I don't know if they're... Well, you know what? Let's look that up because we're, we're 
good on time today. Maybe there are pink pills. I, I don't know. There could be pink pills. So a little clickety clacka. Viagra is called, uh, what is pink Viagra? It is pink. Generic Viagra aimed to enhance performance with female Viagra aims to balance chemicals. And they made it pink. Son of a bitch. That's pretty cool. World War I helmet may outperform modern ones against shockwaves. There's been some studies on this due to TBI. And they're saying a World War I helmet, a French Adrian helmet. But I don't think anybody's going to be put them on. Army releases full list of 80 programs it plans to kill or trim back. U.S. budget officials on Friday released a full list of 41 programs eliminated and 39 programs reduced. Um, service leader made during a night court program review to find money for modernized modernization programs for fiscal 2021. The release of the full list comes one day after the Army released two top ten lists, one for eliminating programs, another of the programs that would be reduced, totaling about $1.1 billion in savings. Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy told an audience of the National Press Club that his latest round of Night Corps process was not as challenging as the first round. This year was much more tepid than last year when we moved more than $30 billion across the five-year future year's defense program. Most of the programs were not as big as complex as last year. The full list of programs elimination features lots of smaller savings. This is $1.4 million on nine FIM-92 Stinger anti-aircraft missiles and 303000 for six M-102 non-lethal reloadable grenades, according to the document. Army Excalibur 155mm artillery ammunition was cut to save 71000 Many of the programs eliminated line items that are somewhat unclear, such as notations about 12,000 saved from 21 M777A2 systems. The Army towed 155mm howitzer. The program reduction list shows cutbacks to soldier lasers, saving $3.5 million. Two lines of reduction show 24 armor protection kits for $2.4 million. Reduction offensive cyber tools save. The list of 41 eliminated total... Three hundred twenty-four point one million. The list of thirty-nine reduction total eight hundred sixty-eight point nine million for a combined figure of one point two billion for the preview of legacy equipment. Army budget officials said the Night Court process is total yielded two point four billion, which is pretty cool, and another nine billion that will be spread across fiscal year DP to fund modernization. Which brings me to Ranger Up, uh, since already a lot of fair. I'm going to put their bad news network on. And once again, this is not my work. This is Ranger Up, t-shirt company. It's also a YouTube channel. Some funny shit, but they're ex-grunts. And I thought, what the fuck? We can listen to about 13 minutes of their hilarity because it's better than mine. I'm Nick Palmashano. And I'm Matt Finney. And this is the Bad News Network, Quarantine Edition. Coronavirus is definitely having an impact, both on the health of the nation and economically. Here's our breakdown. On the medical side, due in part to really poor planning on the part of our nation, in part to the fact that our supply chain is mostly in China for critical equipment, and in part to the fact that China literally bought all of the raw materials it could for the N95 mask, we have a little bit of a personal protection equipment problem here. Doctors and nurses are struggling to get the proper equipment in New York City and Washington, and it's putting them in a really bad position. Elsewhere, we're not yet seeing those kinds of pushes, but 
there's already concern pretty much everywhere that they're only holding at any given point two to three weeks of supply and the supply chain is really dried up. I'm hoping like hell that we learn something from this. We 100% need to manufacture things that have a national security component like PPE in the United States. There's no reason not to do it. And if we're not going to for whatever reason, then we need to have a national or state level reserve or even a mandated hospital level reserve for all of this stuff so that if there's another pandemic and the same situation arises, we have an easy solution. Second bit of bad news on the economic side, while most businesses are continuing to do well, despite the fact that the stock market has tanked a bit, mom and pop shops and restaurants are getting killed. Congress is talking about a stimulus plan right now, and they're talking about bailing out the huge too big to fail businesses. And they're talking about sending everybody a thousand dollar check or a two thousand dollar check or whatever. And like, I'm not even going to get into that right now. If you're going to do a stimulus, a critical component has to be looking out for small business. Small and medium sized businesses do not have a lobby to look out for their interests. And small and medium sized businesses do not have the ability to garner votes like the individuals have. Because of that, politicians tend to basically overlook them every single time. I'm very concerned that Congress is going to rush to give these large companies that already have billions of dollars in cash reserves more money or rush to give individual people a grand or something, which probably in the big scheme of things isn't going to change this equation. And they're going to overlook the fact that we have a huge component of our country that literally is going to disappear if this thing doesn't clear up very fast. Restaurants are not designed to go a month without business, two months without business. They cannot survive like that. So if we don't plan for this, if the government doesn't plan on doing something, or if private citizens don't come up with some way to deal with this, those businesses simply will not exist. And the last bit of bad news regarding the spread of this virus, it's moving, right? New York City is in bad, bad shape. Washington is in bad shape. The virus is literally in every state now. And in most places, it is still following the same trajectory as Italy, which is a bad trajectory. But now let's come out with some good news, because there's a lot of good things happening right now that we're not really seeing a ton of in the news, and maybe we should be. On the medical side, doctors have now identified a host of drugs that seem to be helping with the coronavirus. These drugs are not built for the virus. They're already approved for other things. But that means they already have FDA approval in terms of safety. Now we just need to get the government to sign off on various purposes. One drug, an anti-malaria drug from the 50s known as hydroxychloroquine, has actually showed to basically eliminate the virus over the course of six days, especially when combined with zithromycin, or as most people know it, the z pack This could be the breakthrough that we needed to get ahead of this disease. And yeah, there's some crappy companies out there. For example, one small pharmaceutical company doubled the price of this drug and then claimed later that it was an accident, had nothing to do with this whole crisis. They were just trying to increase the price in order to build some ability to manufacture down the road. But for every one of those, there's somebody trying to do the right thing. Bayer Corporation, for example, donated 3 million pills to the effort. Many doctors are now taking this drug as a prophylactic. 
This is crazy good news, and I hope that many future studies bear out that this is actually a cure while we continue to work on the vaccine. Nice job, medical profession. You guys rock. And finally, on the good news front, I can't tell you if we're doing everything we need to be doing in order to stem off everything that's occurring in Italy right now, but I can tell you that I'm seeing more and more people take this seriously and make good decisions. In North Carolina, for example, downtown is essentially a ghost town. People are not really going into restaurants. People are very cognizant to wash their hands. They're keeping distance from each other. They're not blowing this off the way maybe some of the news reports you've seen from Tennessee or from Florida are showing people reacting. So hopefully there's more of what's happening here around the country and less of the idiot spring breakers just trying to have a good time, not worrying about the world. To bring something back from a couple years ago, YOLO, not the way to treat this disease. Just a reminder, if you really think you need to be out and about living your best life, don't be an asshole. Nobody likes you anyway. You don't need to be out. The Democratic debate between Bernie and Biden was unnecessary. Bernie lost. It's over. He's out. He doesn't have to drop out. He can do whatever it is that he wants to do. But it's over. Biden versus Trump. Even Gabbard dropped out now. Biden has stated that he'll nominate a woman as a VP. If it's Michelle Obama, he'll win. If it isn't, I don't know who's going to move the needle for him. Kamala Harris isolates the middle. Klobuchar has the chops. She's probably the smart choice, but I don't know if she has enough for the swing states. Elizabeth Warren doesn't help him with the moderates and never really mobilized the Democrats anyways. If he did pick Gabbard, the Democrats would probably turn on him. But who knows? Biden could pull something unexpected. He could have a Sarah Palin moment. We'll see. As the new normal sets in, interesting questions about how society functions are emerging. Schools around the country are closed. Will they resume? No one knows. So what happens next? When school finally resumes, is it going to be as if nothing ever happened? Will kids have to go back and take years that they have missed? We really don't know at this point. It is unprecedented for the United States school system to just basically stop. Yet here we are, a dead stop. If the federal government doesn't make a decision about a path forward, then each state is going to have to make its own individual decision, which might be the right way anyway. During these crazy times, we've seen people do some really stupid stuff. From hoarding 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer and price gouging people on the internet about them, to fighting over toilet paper, or going to Red Robin and just bragging how good it is to sit amongst a horde of people. But nothing quite compares to the stupidity of TikToker Ava Louise, who wanted to show how brave she is by licking an airline toilet seat. First of all, let's assume that COVID-19 is not a thing. The airplane toilet seat is probably one of the most disgusting things on earth. No man can actually pee into the toilet without splashing on the seat. And then you have the asses. Asses who just crushed two burritos with extra queso from Chipotle. Fat asses from people who don't bathe regularly. Diseased asses with psoriasis or eczema. Or maybe some good old-fashioned IBS. Which inevitably leads to hover-squatting. We know that women and men occasionally try to hover-squat on planes. Which leads to misses. That's right. There's actual nugs of on these seats. Now I've met a lot of New Englanders. But Ava Louise, you have hands down the dirtiest mouth in the world. Senators Richard Burr, Kelly Loeffler, Dianne Feinstein, and James Inouye 
are under fire right now for potentially executing some insider trading. All four were part of security meetings that outlined the potential impact of the coronavirus. Most of them did extremely well financially as a result of their decisions. They all claimed innocence, however, either stating that, one, they all used only public information to make their decisions and not the private information they were privy to because of their positions, or two, their spouses were the ones that actually executed the trades and they knew nothing about it. I know that this is the way it works in my personal life. I can just make hundreds of thousands of dollars of decisions without even chatting with my wife because she just doesn't care. She's just like, hey, you know, you're the man. You can just make those calls. False! I have to talk to my wife about any major purchase, just like most people have to talk to their spouses about any major purchase because that's the way things are. The idea that somebody is going to cash out 500 to 1.7 million dollars of stocks without even having that conversation is odd. However, innocent until proven guilty. Besides, these people are rich and they're powerful and no matter how evil the actions were, they're not going to get in trouble anyway and we all know. After a couple of run-ins with protesters on his campaign trail, Joe Biden will now receive Secret Service protection. While presidents and vice presidents automatically receive Secret Service protection, candidates have to put in a formal request for this. And this started back when Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Once a person puts in a request, the Secret Service does a threat assessment to see if it's warranted. Honestly, I'm not even sure Biden needs any more security. Did you see his wife, Jill, on Super Tuesday? When a feisty protester jumped on stage to attack Biden, his wife got out in front of him like Jason Bourne. She had some moves, man. Jill Biden, at 68 years old, who not only fought off a ravenous protester, also forced a man away from her husband who was trying to interrupt him while walking behind him. When he pressed forward, Jill overrunded the man, threw him over her head for five points. Just kidding. She pushed him towards security, who made the man leave. I like my version better. On the other side of the coin, the other Democratic candidate, kind of, Bernie Sanders, has not requested security. Maybe that's because the biggest issue that Sanders has faced with protesters is when a group of women showed up topless to crash his rally. If anything, that's probably the ticket that's going to galvanize the younger voters. These women clearly have a top-down approach when it comes to government, whereas Bernie Sanders, as a democratic socialist, clearly wants to take care of the bottom first. This week, two more Hollywood actors have come down with the corona. Action stars Idris Elba and Christopher Hibjou both went to Twitter to announce to their fans that they've got the virus. You know Elba as Himdahl in the Marvel Universe and from basically everything else because he's in every movie and he's great in all of them. He says he's doing fine and uh, he doesn't really have any symptoms at all and actually went out of his way to say, because I don't have symptoms, it's more important that you look at the fact that he has this because anybody could have it, could be spreading it around and other people could be getting hit harder. Christopher Hivju, who's known as Torment Giants Bane in Game of Thrones, or if you don't know the names, the redheaded angry guy from the north, has gone into isolation with his family. He also only has mild symptoms and also wants everybody to be careful and go into isolation so that this doesn't spread further. If the White Walkers couldn't stop this man, we don't think the virus will either. We recommend a large IV bag of Giant's Milk, and old Tormund's going to be just fine. In total government overreach news, Lindsey Graham and Dick Blumenthal 
have launched an all-out assault on privacy. The new Earnit bill will require all messages sent over the Internet to be scanned by a government-approved scanning software. As if that wasn't bad enough, the companies handling the messages wouldn't be allowed to encrypt them. Why is that? Because if they did, they would lose all legal protections that allow them to operate. Any website that doesn't follow a list of best practices will have their 230 protections stripped. What's a 230 protection? It provides immunity from liability for publishers that provide information published by others. Basically, without this, Facebook, Twitter, basically everybody gets sued into bankruptcy. This en masse scanning would basically open up all messages sent to everybody and create a backdoor which you hope only the good guys would use. Privacy and security will die just so the government can feel like it's helping. Andrew Gillum, a man that almost became Florida's governor in 2018, was found blitzed out of his gourd. Police were called into the room after paramedics were treating another guy with an apparent heart attack. Gillum was laying on the floor, incoherent, surrounded by bags of meth. He was lying next to another dude. No one was arrested and everyone was free to go, despite the fact they were doing snow angels in meth. If anything, I'm sure we're going to see Gillum again soon. In fact... Maybe he should have been Florida's governor. The U.S. Health and Services Department has suffered a cyber attack on its computer systems. This has been called a campaign of disruption and disinformation aimed at undermining the response to the coronavirus. While a foreign state is suspected, the U.S. has not yet identified who is responsible. Just before Sunday, the National Security Council tweeted about a fake text that might be going out. The hack doesn't seem to have had any penetration and resulted in no data being mined, but, you know... Props to you for trying, hacker. The past couple of weeks have obviously led the world into an utter frenzy. Monkeys are killing each other and flooding into towns in Taiwan. And now, people are calling the police over a lack of toilet paper. I'm sorry, what? That is almost as bad as calling the police because you can't turn your TV on. Yes, we have suffered some mild inconveniences as a result of everything that's going on right now. But did you lose any semblance of common sense? The officers who are out working right now have much more important things to do than ensure that your butt is clean. Have you ever heard of running water? Socks? Small dogs? Marmots? There are options, people. I want to say again that there is no shortage of toilet paper except for the shortage we create ourselves. If everybody just kept buying toilet paper at the regular rate, There would be plenty of toilet paper for everyone. But for some reason, we're hoarding it. I promise, if we get to a true apocalyptic scenario, you will not care about toilet paper. It will not be a thing that registers in your mind. You will be worried about guns, food, water, and shelter, and that's it. That's it. I'm sorry. It's been a long week. And finally, in Florida Man News, it just doesn't pay to be a good Samaritan anymore. The unnamed victim, who we'll just call John, met Colin Guybe at a party in Melbourne over spring break. Guybe was drunk, didn't have a way to get home, and was so incoherent he couldn't give John his address. So John did the best thing he could. He brought Guy back to his place to sleep it off in his spare bedroom. The next morning, however, John found Guy peeing everywhere all over the room. John asked Guy to leave multiple times, but instead Guy turned violent and decided to attack him. 
He came at me with his dick out, John said. Guy punched the man multiple times and then attempted to choke John. Eventually, John was able to throw Guy out of his house and call the police. Police said they found blood at the front door, holes in the walls, and a bathroom utterly soaked in urine. When police asked Guy about the incident, he said, You've already heard the whole story. I have nothing to add. And then added, Why am I here? Indeed, Florida man. Why are you here? And where did you come from? Ah, that's right. Florida. And with that, I'm Nick Palmashano. And I'm Matt Finney. And this is the Bad News Network. Our news is at least as bad as the news you're getting already. And folks, if you know any small businesses out there that could use a little bit of a shout out, a little more attention, maybe somebody to go to their website, throw it in the comments here and we'll try to push some of those businesses out over the next few weeks. Hang in there. Don't let the corona get you down. Illegitimate non-corona. Hey, 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 bow, 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 low pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Who likes to do some of those funny little dances from Fortnite? Does anybody know any of the dancers from Fortnite? Oh, then you are a credit to your community. <laughs> but most of all, Michael likes to twerk. Now, does anybody in this room know how to twerk? All right, well, it's quite important to the story, so I will just give you a very quick demonstration. <laughs> all you need to do is you just stand with your feet sort of shoulder width apart, like so. Okay, and I'll, sh- I'll show you at the side so you get a better view. There we go. And you, you crouch down into this sort of position here, so your bum's sticking out. Don't be taking this all in. <laughs> and then you just move your bum up and down like that, and that's twerking. <laughs> now. All right, decide to m- mix it up and start with gay shit, then do college. Then do everything's racist, then do liberal shit. And of course, that was a tranny dance, because it's so important to have tranny reading time. The kids are safe for now. Drag queens and LGBTQ media suffer from corona closures. You know, the coronavirus social distancing measures don't have to be all bad. There are silver linings of some of the limbo. One being that the LGBTQ community has to slow down its offensive against our sensibilities. Both the Hollywood gay lobby and the drag queens are reportedly hits, hits to the respective lines of work. The Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, or GLAD, had to cancel its annual award show. Hey, at least kids all over the country also don't get to have grand, the little story time. Variety reported that GLAD had to postpone its annual GLAD Media Awards, which are scheduled for Thursday. This is an organization that demands 20% of all characters be gay by 2025. The outlet wrote about 800 people were expected to attend, blah, blah, blah. For anyone unfamiliar with Leela Singh, she's an Indian-Canadian YouTube star turned late-night talk show host at NBC who fixates on mixing humor with identity politics. She also deploys her bisexuality with her stale feminist shtick for attention. So at least we can be thankful to not hear her lecture from the podium. An even bigger relief is that since Glad canceled the other part of its media awards in L.A., Taylor Swift will have to wait to receive her Vanguard Award. Yeah, that's a thing. 
And then this goes into a whole thing about how it's going to cost them money. They will be able to do the little stupid shit. And I kind of liked it. Brian Fisher, COVID-19 upside is kids won't hang out with drag queens. Another article saying that all over the country, they're not going to have this because all the libraries are closed. And I just wanted to cover the conservative side of it because to us, hey, be gay, be trans, be a goat, be a fucking unicorn. Fuck a unicorn. I don't really give a fuck what you do. But I don't know why kindergarten kids have to have a fucking tranny rub their ass on their thigh. Sadly, and I say this sadly because I really like this guy, so don't think I'm a hypocrite that I bash the gay community. I don't. I bash their in-your-face-you-must-embrace-my-culture bullshit because I don't expect anybody to eat fucking brisket, not pull pork, and root for the Green Bay Packers. I just don't do that. But they do. He has tested positive. So prayers go out to him. I actually like the guy because I pretend not to watch in the background all my wife's fucking real housewives of Des Moines, Iowa. And I do. And the guy is pretty much a straight up dude. Plus, he just adopted a kid with his partner or husband. I don't really follow with his life, but I know he has somebody. And that's kind of scary. Marvel comic debuts its first non-binary superhero named Snowflake. Yeah, that's not a typo. Marvel Comics is finally debuting its long-promised non-binary superheroes, part of their new Warriors reboot. Their name is Snowflake, an object jab at transphobic detractors. Bounding into Comics revealed the trailer for Marvel's new Warriors reboot earlier this week, and both Snowflake and their twin, Safe Space, feature prominently, though Snowflake seems to have a slightly bigger role. The original new Warriors debuted in the 90s as a select selection of rebel mutants somewhere junior to be the more experienced Avengers. I don't know anything about this. <clears throat> they came along at a time when Marvel was trying to retool a number of its characters for younger audiences. The series has also relaunched twice in 2000 and 2006, but this iteration will feature the team of new New Warriors, mentioned by the now mature older generation of Rebel mut- Mutants. My editor on the previous book that I'd done, like Loki and Black Panther versus Deadpool, asked if it'd be interested in doing a New Warriors tie-in that actually poses them as authority figures in a conflict instead of Rebels. New Warriors author David Kibblesmith, that's his name. So because the New Warriors are the authority figures in the story, they have to be monitoring New Warriors who are under 21 and subject to the law that triggered the outlaw event. Blah, blah, blah. Don't really give a fuck. Let's get to the point. Um, Every member of the group has a modern affliction. One is a foster kid. One is patched permanently into the internet and exists as one with the world of the web. Snowflake and space space, Safe Space are twins. Their names are very similar to Screen Time. It's this idea that these are terms that get thrown around on the internet and they don't see don't see as derogatory. Take those words and kind of wear them as a badge of honor. Yeah, good for you. Anti-LGBTQ Republican congressman says Trump opposes his own trans-military ban. This was all over Pink News and The Advocate. It's another bash them because they're, I don't know. Detroit Catholic Archdiocese kicks out LGBT group. This was the header at The Advocate. Detroit chapter of Dignity USA, an LGBTQ affirming Roman Catholic ministry, has been forbidden to hold mass in the Catholic spaces in the region, and priests within the Detroit Archdiocese barred them from serving 
the group. Dignity chapters, the other cities, have received similar orders over the years, but Detroit has been one of the few exceptions holding service in a chapel at Catholic, Catholic College, Sacred Heart Chapel at Mary Grove College, with some local priests participating, according to the National Catholic Reporter. However, in a letter dated March 9th, Detroit Auxiliary Bishop Gerald Battersby wrote, I wish to communicate through this letter that a mass for Dignity Detroit members, one with which rejects church teaching on human sexuality, is not possible in any parish, church, chapel, or diocesan facility, and is indeed forbidden anywhere in the Archdiocese of Detroit. The organization rejection of the church teaching on chastity is incompatible with the path of sanctification on which Christ bids his church to travel, and it's at odds with the important work of the courage and encourage apostles. He continued, Courage and Encourage, a program designed to help those experiencing same-sex attraction at the church, calls it <clears throat> to live celibate lives in accordance with Catholic teaching. Some LGBTQ Catholics have likened them to the 12-step programs treating homosexuals as an addiction. The letter came after Dignity Detroit leaders and several communications with Battersby beginning in mid-January about an initiative called Unleashing the Gospel, which supports the work of Courage and Encourage. Now it's a press release. The communications were cordial, Dignity Detroit leaders said, and they were scheduled to meet with Battersby in late March, but then the letter was sent out to all priests in the Archdiocese March 9th. It's extremely disappointing that the Archdiocese moved forward with these drastic measures before we had a chance to have an important conversation, Frank Damore, president of the chapter, says. We truly believe that it's impossible to learn anything about our community and not be moved by the love our members have for the Catholic faith and the integrity which they live their lives, blah, 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 this is homophobic, you all suck. America's racist, trans, home, a phobe, xenophobe, sexist, ableist. And it ends with, because we are LGBTQ Catholics, we have integrated our sexualities with our sacramental faith. We are treated like damaged goods by the church leaders. Because we are working towards and achieving happiness and peace with our sexual orientation and gender identities, the hierarchy wants us shipped off like some kind of islands of misfits. Once again, no religion embraces transsexuality or homosexuality. Because they won't let you preach, they need to be tarred and feather. Go join Islam where they toss you off a fucking building and stone you to death. That's all I have to say. Be a Muslim. Come back and talk to me. See how it goes. Do you need to take prep every day if you're self-isolating because of the coronavirus? I'm not going to read the article, but this just goes in line of what we went through, or we covered a couple, well, it was probably last year, and then this new prep that's all over our TV. And once again, 5.4% of our population is gay, bi, and trans. That's all it is, but every day... Five times a day, you need to prep up to step up and all these little rap videos about taking this and all it's led to is a huge HIV outbreak because people are stupid and they think it's a magic fucking drug. If that drug fucking worked, why aren't we all taking it so we don't get COVID? I'm just asking. It's supposed to be an immune system booster. If it was going to stop you because it doesn't say it is, but you believe it is, we'd all not be taking it. Or we'd all be taking it. Excuse me. So, yeah. They just, I don't know why they push it so much. I know it's a pharmaceutical, so they're trying to make fucking money. But if you really break it down, that's a scary drug. 
It's a meme generator I got that I think I'm going to have time to do today. Well, who gives a fuck? It's going to be a long show, but there's nothing wrong with having a long show. But literally, folks, if <laughs> the HIV, it's a meme that's in there. I lost my train of thought. But the meme is we're all talking about this stuff, yet we still have people that won't use condoms to stop themselves from getting HIV. And it's a true statement. Why? Do we still have a population of youth that won't use condoms when it's not a joke? Your dick can fucking fall off. I'm just saying. Fall the fuck off. To Shaun of the Dead. They did a commercial. I'm not going to read the article, but the poor actor who I like, he's inside uh, um, Mission Impossible. They got called homophobes and he did the two-step. So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in, take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, hold up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. Alright, gay. I'm not staying there though. Why not? If we hole up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. Okay. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip, sorry Philip, grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. No, 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 wait, we can't bring her back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah. You're in the state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Take calm. Go to Mum's. Kill Phil. Sorry. Grab Liz. Go to the Winchester. Have a nice cold pint. And wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! attempt to reach loved ones and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. You believe everything you hear on TV? Hey, so what's the plan? Right. Call mum, make sure she's okay. If Philip has been infected, follow the NHS guidelines to the letter. Don't you want to kill him? Well, of course I want to kill him. I just can't like that. Oh. Don't go to Liz's. What if I'm horny? Well, she's my girlfriend. All right. Gray? What do you mean, all right, Gray? Ah, yeah, I see what you're doing. I know it's 2020, but the original joke wasn't intended as homophobic. It was more a comment on the absurdity of straight male appropriation of homophobic signifiers in order to denote their aversion to emotional candidates. Do not go to the Winchester. The pub is out. Even if it's shut? Especially if it's closed. Remember what happened the last time? Yeah. If you can, stay at home, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow up. Above all, don't be a twat about things. We're all in this together. Don't be selfish. Look after each other. Give someone a call if you think they might be lonely. Okay? How are you doing? 
I'm running out of toilet paper. Have you got any? Uh, yes. I'm sorry, mate. I'm down to my last uh, sheet. I know. You take care. Okay, bro. Bye. Bye-bye. So the story goes, you know times are bad when Shaun of the Dead starts looking like a reality, but the good news is that one of the movie's iconic scenes has been revamped for 2020. Actor Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are to revive the roles with 2004 zombie movie, which is a parody of a horror film, Dawn of the Dead. Harking back to the movie's most famous gag, The Plan, Frost asks Pegg over the phone, asks what the plan is to deal with the outbreak, view of a coronavirus-specific updates. At the moment in the original film where Frost scoffs, Alrighty gay, the line has been pointedly changed to Alrighty gray. Rather than just glossing over it, Peg breaks out a character explaining that the original Shaun of the Dead line wasn't intended to be ophomic, but was actually a very subtle criticism of homophobia. All right, I see what you're doing, Peg replies. I know it's 2020, but the original joke wasn't intended to be homophobic. It was one of more, more of a comment on the absurdity of straight male appropriation of homophobic signifiers in order to denote their aversion to emotional candidacy. Glad that's cleared up then. Peg then continues an updated COVID plan, tells his friends they must follow the NHA guideline, and he warns Frost not to go to his jaw, the pub, don't go to the Winchester, blah, 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 and it's the same old fucking same old. We're playing PC politics during a time where, let's be honest, let's just keep our eye on the ball. That should be the virus, not your feelings. To college crazy, I have a soundbite of kids talking about um, what it's like during COVID. I really don't care. It's the same as all of us. So let's just go into the stories. Professor worried students will share lectures with right-wing sites. Oh, yeah. We're going online. So now all your fucking brainwashing is getting pumped out in the Internet. Emily M. Ferris, if you're recording a lecture on anything controversial, be prepared for right-wing sites to ask students to share it. Professors of the country are taking social media to express their concern over being forced to deliver the course lectures online amid the coronavirus outbreak, sharing with each other tips on how to limit the number of people who are able to see what they're teaching and criticizing right-wing sites. Texas Christian University Associate Professor of Political Science Emily Ferris tweeted, blah, 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 we just read it. Uh, Campus Reform reached out to Ferris via Twitter direct messaging to allow her an opportunity to further explain her comment. She blocked the author of this article on Twitter. LaSalle University assist- Assistant Professor of Public Health Kristen Rexing replied to Ferris' tweet asking why others could find topics such as gun safety, women's health, elections, etc. to be controversial as they are evidence-based. Seems like the floodgates could open Rexing comment in response to courses moving online. University of North Carolina political science graduate student Stephanie Shady, and she's Slim Shady, also weighed in saying, and I just realized that the second half of my course focuses on public opinion towards and political pol- politicalization of immigration. This will be interesting. Another user with the Twitter name of Professor CWO replied, Sigh, I teach about white nationalism, and this has been my biggest fear since we began transitioning to online instruction. 
Columbia University political science professor Jeffrey Max said he has been thinking about how students would be able to record classes, and there's a whole thing on it. Trinity College associate professor of political science Isaac Camola, who has campus reform previously reported, sought to hire a campus reform early responder, specifically mentioned campus reform. If campus reform harasses you or someone you know, the best response is to follow the money. Campus reform receives $1.54 million from the Leadership Institute of Coke-funded organizations. It's still the Coke thing. We never hear about Soros. They are not new. Uh, actually, they consider the two left. They are not new source, Cap Mola tweeted. A user whose website says they are a history professor at community college in North Texas wrote, I'm taking steps to li- li- limit this, but nothing is foolproof. Ferris asked how Gunter was working to ensure lectures are not made public, to which Gunter responded with one tip for her colleagues. Instead of posting videos direct to LMS, which would then own them, I'm posting links to the video on YouTube. The videos themselves are unlisted, meaning you can't find them in a search, and if you go to my page only, if you have the direct link, doesn't stop link sharing, though, Gunter said. Once again, why would you go through all this if what you're doing is so on the up and up? And this goes on. Anthony Bozeman. Uh, I have like 30 print screens. If you're on the up and up and you're not brainwashing people, why do you care your shit goes out? Well, you care because part of your lectures are Trump's the devil, GOP's the devil, Christians are the devil, pro-choice are the devil, Anybody who wears red hats are the devil. Which has nothing to do with teaching. So you know you're wrong, but you won't address you're wrong. And now we go into everything's racist, and everything in here is wrong. Everything is racist. A lot of the root today, but I wanted to start with the Rolling Stones. This was all over Twitter yesterday. How social distancing could lead to a spike in white nationalism. We're seeing a huge uptick in rhetoric from hate groups during the pandemic, said one expert on a call with SPLC. Let's think about that for a second. How would that happen when you say they're everywhere everywhere they're they're all over the place and they need to come together to coordinate their evil attacks on the world now once again i don't downplay that there's racist motherfuckers and there's evil people in the world but you're still living off of 400 some odd goons with tiki torches and a guy that freaked because he was getting bricked who killed somebody. Which we never heard about the court case again and it just kind of went away. You're still living on that. And Trump's saying there's good people on both sides. You're still playing the white nationalist during Trump when you played the white nationalist during Trump during Obama. The black president, there's so many suicides. There's so many assassination attempts, blah, blah, for fucking eight years, but then all of a sudden it just exponentially went bigger when there's a white president. Uh, None of your math works. I think y'all need to go back to math. 
Connecticut officer found justified in shooting an 18-year-old. It's been trying times, folks. You would hope a crisis affecting every level of American life would put a temporary lockdown to the bullshit. Unfortunately, that's not the case. According to AP News, a state prosecutor has found Laiwa Eluzer, a police, a police officer in Connecticut, was justified in shooting the death of an 18-year-old Anthony Cruz earlier a loser was trying to stop Cruz because the license plate on his car was registered, wasn't registered as vehicle. A loser got out of his car and stepped in front of the vehicle with his own weapon. When it looked like Cruz was about to take off, the officer fired multiple shots through the windshield, killing him. He did so because he feared being run over. There are multiple things a loser could have done instead of shooting Cruz. He could have simply got the fuck out of the way, shot off the tires. Heck, there's a thought. Don't stand in front of a car. Granted, based on his history, a loser doesn't seem terribly good at his job. This is this is an NBC site. Just remember that. Florida attorney known for representing the families of young black men killed by police and Michael Jefferson, another lawyer for the family, said there was no reason for Luzier to run in front of a car and create a dangerous situation. They also cited personal records that said Luzier had problems handling stress and made tactical mistakes when he was a Manchester officer from 2015 to 18. While an argument was made that these records aren't fair representation of his job, he killed someone over a traffic violation. I think the fact alone speaks volumes to how well Luzier can do his job instead of trying to de-escalate the situation. He put his own self in line of danger and wound up killing someone as a result. Adding insult to injury, Eluzier was fired or put on suspension during the investigation. He wasn't given desk duty. It's crazy how being a cop is the one job you can absolutely terrible at and still not get fired. Nothing about the guy trying to hit him with his car. Nothing about what his background was or what his record was. And this is the usual thing that happens with officer-involved shootings. Hey! You can't hit a cop with a car. That's called assault. Sorry about that. Before the China virus, a brief history of white people blaming America problems on everyone else. Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Donald Trump's a racist. While those two previous sentences might seem redundant, they mean two different things. Racist, described consciously or unconsciously, characteristics and attribute to certain races, while white supremacists perpetuate the maintained superiority of white race. Even though white supremacists often use racism as a tool and racists sometimes use white supremacy as an excuse, white supremacy doesn't require belief and racism doesn't necessarily require intent. For instance, Republican policies perpetuate the superiority of whiteness. They lock immigrant children in cages to preserve a white country. A black president did that. Didn't hear you. They disregard education inequality, protect their advantage of opportunity. They condone wage inequality. Blah, fucking blah. That's racism. However, when racism and white supremacy combine, they become a powerful toxic potion that destroys every non-white thing in its path. One of the most recent illustrations of this deadly combination is Trump and GOP officials insisting on referring to coronavirus as Chinese virus or the Kung Flu, which has not been proven, but this is the root. Potentially stirring up hate and violence against Chinese Americans. No proof it's happening. Beth Swarsky over at our sister site, Lifehacker, wrote a perfect example on why, uh, explanation on why naming disease after a place is not only stupid, but it also inferior, interferes with battling disease. Not reading it. Still the right-wing zealots claim that racist slur isn't racist. Kellyanne Conway is a racist. You're a racist. America's a racist. This goes on to the KKK and the White Knights of Columbus and doesn't talk anything about that they were Democrats. It goes back to 1871 and the Klan slaughtered some people. Doesn't say they were Democrats. Oregon, blah, blah, blah. 
But they know they're only a communicable disease and there's a race attached to it. It's white supremacy. This article 15 times degradates white people and goes on and blames everything in the world to white people. Their next article, less than a third of American workers can telework and the ones who aren't are black and Latinx. There's no poor white people. That's what the article's saying. And that we're not letting people go to work is racist. But if we made them go to work, it's racist. If we think about it, we're racist. If you breathe, you're racist. It's the root. NBC News. And it's some shameful shit. Come on down! You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit! Let's talk to you about Italy. You know, obviously that country, its people have been devastated by the coronavirus, but there is a little bit of a silver lining in some of its historic cities. This is Venice, and for the first time, you guys have been to Venice, you can never see the, the waters because they're so murky from all the boats. Uh, this time, now you can see the crystal clear waters of the Venice canals. You can see fish swimming around in the canals. Uh, that's pretty amazing and pretty remarkable for those of you who visited Venice. And check this out. I'm no Lonnie Quinn or Jeff Beardelli, but this is a map, a satellite map showing you the level of pollution that has gone away in the last three months because of the reduction of emissions across northern Italy. So there is a bit of a silver lining, even though our hearts go out to our world citizens there uh, going through this pandemic in Italy. Mm-hmm. Well, the climate people are pretty pissed off, and then they're happy because people aren't using CO2, and then they're pissed off because they're not in the spotlight. Climate alarmist Naomi Klein uses pandemic to whine over coronavirus capitalism. Environmentalists seem to have entered into an extremely weird phase. Great example is lefty climate alarmist Naomi Klein trying to use a coronavirus pandemic to stoke fear and anger over capitalism in an 8 minute and 48 second video that I will not play. She slammed coronavirus capitalism and whined that climate is more important than economic stability during the virus. China, for its part, is indicating that it will relax environmental standards to stimulate its economy, which would wipe out one major benefit the crisis has produced so far, a marked drop the country's lethal air pollution. We've been playing those and talking about them on the show, where they're gleeful that people are croaking so they can take down and we won't have to eat the fucking babies. Yeah. Only the environmentalists left would find a silver lining in a planned pandemic. Klein piggybacked off the pandemic fears and appeared to snap at capitalists, asking whose idea were going to be followed. In times of crisis, in times of crisis, seemingly impossible idea suddenly become possible. But whose ideas? Sensible, fair ones designed to keep as many people as possibly safe, secure, and healthy? Or predatory ideas designed to further enrich the already unimaginably wealthy while leaving the most vulnerable further exposed? 
In the midst of this widespread panic, cor- corporate lobbyists of all stripes, of course, dusting off all the ideas they had lying around. Trump is pushing a suspension of the payroll tax, which would bankrupt Social Security, providing the excuse to cut it or privatize it completely, which nobody's saying that. There are ideas being floated to bail out some of the wealthiest and most polluting sectors in the economy. The video then panned to President Trump discussing certain economic sectors he seeks to assist with the stimulus packets before Klein interjected with another dig at the president. Bailouts for fracking companies, not to mention cruise ships, airlines, and hotels. Handouts which Trump could benefit from personally, which is a big problem because the virus is not only the crisis we face. She then sought to shift focus away from the ongoing pandemic to focus on climate disruption. Yeah, really. There is also climate disruption, and these industries that are getting rescued with our money are the ones driving it. You people, how do you expect to be taken seriously? And then our big one is the death lobby. Worries about threat to essential abortions during coronavirus. With the pandemic going on and sorts of efforts being made to stop people from dying, the abortion lobby is worried about, what else? Making sure that babies die. The Pro-Abortion American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists put out a joint statement with other organizations on March 18th that said they do not support COVID-19 responses that cancel or delay abortions. Community-based and hospital-based clinics should consider collaboration to ensure abortion access is not compromised during this time. So killing babies is more important than keeping people from getting the virus. Got it. Yes, that's what time and effort should be spent collaborating on, ensuring death. There's a genuine disconnect between doctors trying to save the weak and vulnerable elderly that coronavirus seems to target most in one room while killing a baby in the other. NAF predictably released a statement on March 17th calling on leaders to treat outpatient abortion providers as essential business and calling elective abortion an essential health service. The whole world is saying to shut down everything, and they want to make sure that abortion factories run at full throttle. NAF said abortion is provided for almost one in five pregnancies in the United States as part of the continuum of pregnancy care. It's essential health service. Sorry, I had to wet my whistle. An individual and family decide to end a pregnancy for complex constellation of reasons that include the impact of pregnancy and birth on their health, ability to work, and strain economic circumstances. These are conditions that do not go away and are likely heightened in a pandemic. Denying or deferring abortion can place an immediate burden on patients, their families, and the health system. It can have profound and lasting consequences, saying that abortion is on the continuum of pregnancy care, is positively Orwellian. Then there's a monstrous, monstrous logic that calls pregnant women an immediate burden on the health system. <laughs> yeah. So let's kill all the unborn to prevent health care shortages. HuffPost worried on March 17th abortion access is under threat as coronavirus spreads. Never letting a good crisis go to waste, HuffPost allowed an abortionist to rail against pro-life abortion clinic regulations as unsafe during the pandemic. Gazelle Moyadi, an abortion provider and board member with the Physicians for Reproductive Health. How does that help? I mean, I love the cliches to get away with. Noted that TRAP laws, which stand for Targeted Regulations of Abortion Providers, are actually making patients less safe during the coronavirus outbreak. In Texas, patients are forced to make multiple trips to clinic for unnecessary counseling and ultrasound, she said. Once again, for those that are not educated on it, they do an ultrasound. 
so they can figure out how much they got to charge this poor kid to kill their baby. It's on length of gestation. Yeah, they have to do an ultrasound. Every visit creates another opportunity for the virus to spread. This was a common theme in a Q&A on coronavirus and reproductive health. A fellow with the Physicians for Reproductive Health told pro-abortion outlet Rewire that abortion regulations put women at risk of COVID. No one should have to risk their health or the health of their families by traveling on public transportation, waiting in waiting rooms, or listening to state-mandated scripts to obtain an abortion pill. Hostile states where people are punished for having an unplanned pregnancy now also have to put at risk with COVID-19 given the extra travel and extra office visits. In the end, this endangers their families and communities too as it promotes spread of the virus. Canadian article on the impact of a coronavirus on daily life featured quotes from abortionists defending the abort practice that is elective 98.3% of the time as essential. We do not see abortion services elective, said the executive director of Toronto Abortion Clinics. They are essential services, and our goal is to maintain our operations while maintaining staff and client safety as much as possible. That clinic made the heartbreaking decision to no longer allow patients in to bring a support person. The president and CEO of National Abortion Federation, who goes by the very reverend Catherine Ragsdale, said, yes, it's not bleeding out on the floor. You You're not having a stroke. You're not having a heart attack. You can schedule your treatment, but it's not elective in what, in that it can't be put off indefinitely without serious health and life consequences because people have restrictions on gestation. Yes, there are literally life consequences as in a life that will be saved if abortion is put off indefinitely. And remember, every one of these institutions is a for-profit site. So what they're worried about is if you are in a state, which most of us are now, that has abortion limits, that's what they're worried about. If this puts them off three or four weeks, a woman won't be able to get her abortion and they won't get their money. Life News has another article, Planned Parenthood closes some centers, keeps abortion clinics open because women need to kill their babies. While doctors across the country are being encouraged to put off non-urgent treatments because of coronavirus, the abortion industry continues to use precious medical resources. In Illinois today, Planned Parenthood just announced that it will temporarily close 11 of its 17 facilities on Monday and limit services to abortion and family planning, which they don't do. I asked women to reschedule all non-essential appointments and to call the office that they support, suspect they have a urinary tract infection or need birth control. Planned Parenthood, why would they want them to get birth control? They'll make money if they get pregnant. Planned Parenthood of Illinois is taking all necessary precautions to keep our staff and patients healthy and well. This temporary consolidation of services is just one part of that. Spokesman Amy Whitaker told the newspaper, patients will still need family planning services and abortion care during this time. In other words, a billion-dollar abortion nonprofit, which claims to be trusted essential women's health care provider, is stopping almost of its legitimate medical services during the health crisis. However, we'll continue to do non-essential elective abortions because that's their moneymaker. Abortion activist priorities are all mixed up, and that is not just Planned Parenthood. A pro-abortion OBGYN in Missouri expressed thankfulness Tuesday that abortions are still being provided while admitting that she is struggling to decide whether to delay surgeries for patients with painful gynecological problems. Our hospital is asking us to delay non-urgent surgical care, wrote Dr. Amy Adnett, a member of the Physicians for Reproductive Health on Twitter. I struggle to determine which case qualified for this. 
fibroid patients with bleeding, ovarian masses causing pain. Luckily, abortion care is not being impacted. How are others making these decisions? Luckily, she says. This focus on aborting unborn babies, especially when doctors' time and medical sources are desperately needed to help save lives, should disturb people. Abortions are not health care, and this goes on to a pro-choice or pro, pro-life stance. Why does... Uh, this the article here is let me find that press release. Why does abortion clinic get a pass on COVID nineteen restriction? This is from Kentucky. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashar has issued closing orders for everything from schools to nail salons to the Family Foundation Tuesday. But a University of Louisiana staff abortion clinic seems to be operating at full speed ahead. Martin Conrad, spokesman for the group, asked why businesses with limited exposure to the public, such as nail salons, are being forced to close, while a clinic with at least as much exposure to the public is allowed to continue its grisly business. The Louisiana Abortion Clinic, which is staffed by the University of Louisiana, or Louisville, sorry, the Louisville Abortion Clinic, which is staffed by a University of Louisville physicians who are part of the Ryan Residency Program and where residents at Louisville Medical School help with the abortions, is still seeing customers. One witness tells us there were at least 25 patients visiting the clinic today. Additionally, there were others who entered the clinic as family members or friends. The Family Foundation recently drew attention to UofL's deep involvement with the state's only abortion clinic. Why is this one kind of business that offers elective surgery exempt from the mandatory closing order now being issued by the governor, asked Cochran. Why do everyday businesses in which people eke out a living have to close while one that engages in an ethically questionable practice gets a free pass? And of course, all they got back from Bashir was, we are not going to close the clinic. They won't close it. It's going to continue on as business as usual. Massachusetts bans non-essential procedures like colonoscopies, knee replacement, allows abortion. Massachusetts hospitals may not perform non-essential procedures like what I just said, but they may continue to perform abortions. Massachusetts Bureau of Health Care Safety and Quality Director Elizabeth Kelly released a memorandum March 15 explaining that all procedures that are non-essential elective invasive procedures will be postponed or canceled while Massachusetts is under state of emergency, according to the Mass Live. Terminating a pregnancy is not considered a non-essential elective invasive procedure for the purpose of this guidance, the memorandum said. However, the ultimate decision based on the clinical judgment by the caring physician. Her clarification came after the public health commissioner ordered doctors to cancel all procedures March 10th. Non-essential procedures, according to Kelly memorandum, include any procedure involving skin incisions, injections into joint body space or body cavity, hip replacement, knee replacement, colonoscopies, bronchioscopies, kidney tube replacement, invasive radiology procedures, most dermatology procedures, eye implants, tooth extractions, sound wave treatment to break down kidney stones, and endometrial biopsies. Republican Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker said Monday that we are adjusting to these circumstances, but I think it's important to remember why, according to MassLive. Our public health professionals believe they take these serious actions now. We can mitigate the spread of the coronavirus and help protect our most vulnerable population. The pro-life Massachusetts Citizens for Life told the Daily Caller News Foundation in a statement that the organization is disheartened to learn that abortion will still be permitted. Women's health and safety should be our top priority. But it's not. Because we got to make money. 
And more further, that's a Republican governor, but they're so scared of PPFA. Remember, the NRA donates about $10 million. We don't even know how much Planned Parenthood does. 30 to 50 an election. These non-profit organizations. Then lastly, before we go into our lighter fare, which is to dog the elites, <clears throat> Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, if you're not paying premium, they're lowering your resolution. And that is due to everybody in the world not working right now. So if you've noticed lately, there's some resolution problems on certain shows. Like we watched The 100 Humans. We didn't have any problems. We watched something else on Netflix, and it was kind of grainy. Yeah, that's them doing it. We started back up a stated a couple podcasts ago, <clears throat> but I only went with the 999 because we don't need four screens. And it asked me for an additional $5 a month, you can get HD quality. And I thought that was weird because that's not what it says when you sign up, but that was the reduction. They're reducing it. So if you have problems when you're viewing stuff, that's the reason why. Our lighter fare, once again, is the cringe celeb collab to sing Imagine. For the quarantine public, didn't go the way they thought. Hey guys, day six in uh, self-quarantine. And I gotta say that um, these past few days uh, got me feeling a bit philosophical. Um, You know, this virus had affected the entire world, everyone doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, we're all in this together. Um, And I saw, I ran into this video of this Italian guy playing the trumpet um, in his balcony uh, to all the other people who were locked inside their homes. And he was playing Imagine and there was something so powerful and pure. about this video uh, and it it goes like this imagine there's no heaven it's easy if you try no hell below us above us only sky imagine all the people Living for today Imagine there's no countries It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for And no religion too Imagine all the people You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us, and the world will live as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed and hunger. 
brotherhood of man. Sharing all the world, you. They may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. So they they thought they were really kind of cool and it would go well, and eh, not so much. It was only a matter of time for general public had to suffer through the era's version of the song "We Are the World" in an effort to combat the sour mood of people having to stay home during the coronavirus. A bunch of Hollywood famous decided all to corroborate. corroborate collaborate let's try that via the internet to sing john lennon's mouse dirge it was a cringe inducing as you can imagine oh sorry just like many other trendy celebrity social media collaborators the two-minute homemade music video consisted of actors and entertainers from gal gadot to will ferrell recording themselves each singing a part of lennon's terrifying song that about a utopia each warbly three-second cut was spliced together into full insufferable bit there were plenty of famous folks in the video wonder woman uh the rest of the video played out like a bad collection of american idol auditions the daily wires matt walsh retweeted the video commenting i cringe so hard that i collapsed into myself and turn into a black hole that is now consuming the galaxy. The video, which already had 5.5 million on Twitter, included actor Will Ferrell, Portman, Wig, Kravitz, Zotype, James Martin, Adam Anthony, uh, Mandalorians, Pedro Pascal, Mark Ruffalo, Maya Rudolph, singer Sia, and Jimmy Fallon, British model Cara Devinging, and comedian Sarah Silverman. Yeah, it was a it was a lot. It was hard not to see this video as one large virtue signal. Harder still when you consider that many of these rich, privileged folks routinely castigate conservatives on stage and on social media. Here's looking at you, all those people. I don't even want to talk about it. Joe Josh Molina is where I initially got it. I was discussing the Gal Gadot Imagine video with my daughter, and she said, it has the same energy as cats. <laughs> Umo. Just saw the Gal Gadot Imagine video thing, and I think it may be ruined music for me forever. Anthony L. Fisher, celebrities troll the quarantined world with an earnest mashup of John Lennon's most insufferable song. Gal Gadot is impossibly beautiful. It was in the Fast and Furious franchise, so I can forgive a lot of stuff from her, but she doesn't make it easy. Please watch this, and then tell me how far you got before turning it off. For me, it was Sia, although I'm not even sure who Sia is. To other funnies, Baltimore mayor begs residents to stop shooting each other so we can free up beds. Ferguson effect. That's all I got to say. Ferguson effect. Cops don't go in there because you played fuck, fuck, goose. Now you got people killing everybody. Look at you. Then Chunk Unger. Yeah, he did it. It was just a matter of time we had somebody doing it. The My Kid. Now remember, schools are closed. But still... He rolled it out and got mocked. My wife is from Taiwan, so my kids are half Chinese. Because of racist assholes like John Cornyn and real Donald Trump, the classmates are already blaming them for the virus and asking if they eat bats. My nine-year-old son even come home and asked me if it was true. It's heartbreaking. The world responded, it's bullshit. <laughs> 
Because it is. Your kid wasn't at school. Then I searched for memes. Because there's been so many funny memes. I figured there's got to be a place that's collecting all these memes. It's like a meme warehouse. I'm going to go check it out. First thing I get from Google. Allure. I guess it's a website. Probably for chicks. Can I socially distance myself from these terrible jokes about gaining weight while quarantined? They can be pretty triggering for those with eating disorders. So you knew it was going to come up. There was going to be uh, intersectionality, virtue signaling. Don't do the meme. You're hurting my feelings. But I didn't find a good one. Ruin my week. Commonspelling.com backslash memes backslash coronavirus dash meme dash list. So just go to ruin my week and search for it. They have a hundred. I'm just going to do the top ten because I thought they were pretty funny. Number one from brown is brownish unicorn. That's her handle. Millennials every day. I want to die. Millennials when a virus hits. You see a dude literally with goggles on. Swimming goggles. A face respirator, like a real one. I mean, he spent some ducks for this on his phone. A one that's not going to come up was a dude in Taiwan with a face mask with a cigarette coming out the center of it, which I thought just defeats the purpose. Number two, Amazon employee in Seattle confirmed to have coronavirus. So the rest of us could get it by Thursday if we order within the next two hours. Paul B. Barb has had my favorite. I cried laughing at this last night. In 2060, someone ate bat soup. Then what happened, Grandpa? The whole world fought for toilet paper. Why? Hush now, little one. Go to bed. We don't talk of that. <laughs> I'm laughing again. Pitfall Junction is number four. I'm really hoping Ruth Bader Ginsburg has locked herself in a Magneto-style chamber till this is all blows over. <laughs> you know there's going to be, where is Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I didn't do it because I am not evil, but there's a whole, where is Biden? Where is Biden? There's nothing. You don't hear anything. Epic McMurray. Oh my God, the Chicago Aquarium closed due to coronavirus. So they let the penguins run around and check out the exhibits. Staff was present, and it's really cute. This guy is looking at a tank of fish going, how the fuck do I get in there? Six, Sarunas Jackson Stan Page, colder than underscore ice. My coworker keeps farting, asking for my lunch, and playing on his tablet while I do all the work. I went to HR, and they just said, leave my grandbaby alone. This is ghetto, and it's so cute because so many people have to work with their kids. Number seven, bug posting. Customers love to tell you how crazy it is that you're still open and working at the bagel store as they come into the bagel store to purchase bagels. And I think that's pretty true for anybody who's in retail. Jeremy Dooley, the people going to crowded events right now are the same people who hear a weird noise in horror movies and decide to split off and check it out. (laughs) That's true. Shelby Dodson, I was at 7-Eleven and a guy asked me if I believed in God. I'm buying dinner at 7-Eleven, homie. I don't even believe in myself. (laughs) And lastly, there's about 30 of them, probably. I don't think it's that much, but I went through the whole hundred. Coronavirus toilet paper shortage alternatives. Number six, slide down the staircase. And there's a picture of somebody butt naked 
slide down the staircase. Another one is a guy bent over, and it's cartoon, spreading his cheeks using the handhold on an escalator to wipe his ass. And I thought, God damn it, you people are great. Good for you. If you can laugh during this, good on you. To our This Is America, this is some dickweed from Hawaii Five O. I'm not even going to say his name. He decided to go on a tangent and blame Trump because he got the COVID. So it's probably the second worst thing I heard. The first worst thing we'll talk about after the soundbite. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America in 2019. Hi everyone. I am coming to you from my home in Hawaii, where I've been since last Sunday. Uh, I hope you'll excuse my appearance. I think like many of you, uh, I decided to let things go a little natural as far as my head and facial hair go. <laughs> Call it the uh, quarantine chic. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to let you know that yesterday I tested positive for COVID-19, uh, the disease caused by the coronavirus. So first, the details. For the past several weeks, I was in New York shooting a role on a TV series where, ironically, I play a doctor who gets recruited to a hospital to help patients during a flu pandemic. Now, when the news of the virus hitting America started coming in, um, that show, like eventually all the others, stopped production. And when it did, um, the first thing I wanted to do was go back to Hawaii and to my family. Now, it's important for you guys to know that I was asymptomatic during all of this time. But as the flight was close to landing, I started noticing some scratchiness in my throat, which is unlike how I usually get sick. So um, when I landed, I called my family doctor in Hawaii and he told me to monitor my symptoms. Uh, to be safe, uh, when I got home, I quarantined myself in a room in the house um, and uh, tried to rest on my own. Uh, but later that night, I started feeling tightness in my chest, uh, body aches, and my temperature started to rise. So he then told me to get tested. So the next day, I went to a drive through testing facility that had just opened here in Honolulu. And uh, the test was given to me by some incredibly professional and kind caregivers. The test itself was really awkward and a little painful because they shove a huge swab into your nose and into your throat. But uh, it was worth it um, because uh, of what I found out. They told me that I would have my results back in three days, uh, and that was Wednesday morning. Uh, and in the meantime, my doctor prescribed some medication, and I went straight home. Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning at this point that uh, that was the only time I left my house since arriving back in Hawaii. Um, I self-isolated the entire time, uh, and even though I was with my family, I was in an entirely separate part of the house. Um, that part uh, is important for later. So, just so you guys know, I never went to a hospital. 
but with the help of the medication and bed rest and liquids and, of course, my loving family, uh, I didn't need to. Uh, I actually started feeling better uh, the day after, and I started feeling a little better the day after that. And today, even though I'm not 100%, I'm pretty close. So I was not asymptomatic, which is also an important thing to, to point out. Um, a lot of pe younger people uh, can uh, carry the virus without having any symptoms whatsoever. That was not me. Uh, I was sick. I still am. But thankfully for me, it wasn't a matter of life and death. But even though I'm smiling and upbeat right now, for several days, I was in bed. So for all those out there, especially teenagers and millennials who think this is not serious, please know that it is. And if you treat this without care, you are potentially endangering the lives of millions of people, including your loved ones. So for the sake of everyone else, please follow the guidelines. Socially distance, self-isolate, stop touching your face, and of course, wash your hands. Now, I debated for a long time about uh, actually publicly talking about my diagnosis because I've read some backlash against those who did, saying that they got special treatment. And though I risk that now, let me just say that I never asked for or expected special treatment from anyone. Uh, and I will add that I believe that healthcare for all is a right, not a privilege. And not just healthcare, but quality healthcare. Everyone who meets the qualifications to be tested should be, period. Because the virus doesn't care about race or gender, religion, sexual orientation, whether you're rich or poor, or your immigration status. Only we seem to care about that. I was fortunate, and I'm grateful. So, speaking of grateful, I want to let you all know that my family um, all got tested because of my positive result. And I'm very relieved to report that they are all negative. Uh, anyway, so hopefully I am on the other side of this. And uh, it's also a good time to say that I'm grateful to my doctors, especially here, the ones here in Hawaii, because they were so uh, quick to respond and uh, so thorough with my care. Um, you know, healthcare providers are the ones who are on the front line of this fight. Doctors, nurses, along with every other kind of caregiver. They risk their lives every day for the rest of us and many have given their lives in the process. So I just wanna say thank you to all of you around the world. And to everyone who continues to work at grocery stores and pharmacies and airlines, taxis or ride-sharing cars, any other necessary service during this crisis, you're often taken for granted, but not now. Now you're the glue that is keeping us together. And to the people that I came into contact with during the incubation period, I wanna sincerely apologize. Though I had no way of knowing, uh, and I was trying to be as careful as I could, uh, I feel terrible thinking that I could have given this to anyone, let alone people I value enough to spend time with. And this, of course, includes the cast and crew of New Amsterdam. 
Now, I've been told by Universal that they are taking this matter very seriously and are working closely with a team of doctors to ensure the safety of anyone who might have been impacted by uh, working with me over that period. And to you guys, I'm so sorry. Um, I've really, really enjoyed working with you all. And one last very important thing. Please, please stop the prejudice and senseless violence against Asian people. Randomly beating elderly, sometimes homeless Asian Americans is cowardly, heartbreaking, and it's inexcusable. Yes, I'm Asian. And yes, I have coronavirus, but I did not get it from China. I got it in America, in New York City. And despite what certain political leaders want to call it, I don't consider the place where it's from as important as the people who are sick and dying. If I did, I would call this thing the New York virus, but that would be silly, right? Anyway, the point is the name calling gets us nowhere. When people are ill, what matters most is how best to take care of ourselves and one another. And by the way, one way we can do that in our own communities is to patronize our local mom and pop shops when we go shopping for necessary supplies and groceries or order takeout from our favorite neighborhood restaurants because they need us now more than ever. The places that you love when times are good are the same ones that are in danger of disappearing in times like this. So uh, now as I spend a chunk of time in quarantine, uh, I'm starting to see a lot of silver linings to this cloud. Uh, one is that by getting this message out, I hope I'm able to help someone who is showing symptoms and doesn't quite know what to do. Or just as important, help someone better prevent the transmission of the disease. Uh, I guess another silver lining is that with any luck, I will have actually built up an immunity to this virus when all is said and done. So uh, I may not actually need the vaccine when it comes out. I hope it comes soon, though, uh, and I will gladly contribute in any way I can, including donating antibodies in the pursuit of finding a vaccine for everyone. The other silver lining is that I'm reminded of how lucky I am to have such wonderful people in my life. My family, my friends, my colleagues, my fans, all of you. Thank you. And I guess it's nice to be mentioned in the same breath as Tom Hanks and Idris Elba, <laughs> two of my favorite actors. Uh, I guess I'm in some pretty good company. Um, and finally, uh, I'm grateful to be alive and healthy. It gives me hope that through our collective efforts, we can beat this thing and flatten the curve. So that's it. I'll give you guys uh, updates uh, here uh, as necessary, um, but in the meantime, please be safe, uh, please be healthy, and please be kind to one another. And stop hoarding the toilet paper. Seriously, how dirty are you down there? Aloha, everyone. You know, once again, I'm in here and... You're hearing me bash the media, correct? The media, an entity. The left, all they can do is bash the president. Downplay what the president does, blah, 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 blah. Hey, I get it. You, you hate the guy. 
But I once again, I'm putting against the reference, could you do that under Obama? Could that video fly under Obama? Say it was a white guy living in Texas. Would that work? Probably not. That would not work. That would be unacceptable. There'd be some pissed off puppies if you did that under Obama. But every fucking time we turn around, this is what we're getting. We're getting these little, it's his fault. He's killing people. And once again, my ever favorite that I will use at our year in review, he should be charged with homicide because of a virus. When we are watching the data, millions H1N1. 12,500 deaths. Nobody rightly ever blamed Obama. Unless the president has total control over your immune system, how can they be blamed for something? Then a non-COVID-19 story, which is really fucking annoying. SCOTUS Rule 5-4, states can charge illegal immigrants for ID theft. The nation's highest court recently took on a case involving undocumented workers and ruled that illegal aliens who steal America's Social Security numbers can be charged with a crime. The SCOTUS issued a majority 5-4 decision. That means four judges didn't vote for it. Four. They're supposed to employ the law. Not partisanship. If it was the opposite, and this was something that was for the left, they would be saying that in your media right now. <clears throat> Illegal, okay, da, 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 information about filing tax forms for employment can face criminal charges. All four liberal justices, Breyer, Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Kagan, do not believe that illegals who commit these crimes should face criminal charges. The Immigration Control and Reform Act makes it a federal crime to lie on I-9 work authorization forms while limiting how false information can be used. Federal laws also say information contained in the I-9 cannot be used for law enforcement other than specified exceptions, but the Supreme Court ruled that if workers use the same information in tax documents, they can face charges. Fox News reported, although IRCA expressly regulates the use of an I-9 in document app appended to that form, no provision of IRCA directly addresses the use of the documents such as federal and state tax withholding forms that an employee may complete upon beginning a new job. Just as Samuel Alito wrote in the court's opinion, which was joined by fellow conservatives Thomas, Roberts, Gorsh, and Kavanaugh. The IRCA also prohibits state or local charges or civil cases against those who employ or recruit or refer for a fee for employment unauthorized aliens. But Alito noted that this makes no mention of state or law, local laws and impose criminal or civil sanctions on employees or applicants for employment. Here's my deal. I know you want this to be a huge voting block, but if I think the way we need to start applying things that are really important, if a person in a red hat stole a transsexual person of color's identity, you would shit the bed. 
or to make it even easier for you, if Trump stole somebody's identity and filed taxes, you would say he needs the death penalty. So if that's how you want to do it to Trump, that's the way you should probably want to do it for everybody because it's a goddamn law. And I was just disgusted that four fucking justices on our Supreme Court voted against charging people for stealing somebody's identity to file taxes. That is fucking absurd. Supreme Court's a fucking joke, man. All we talk about, the conservatives, the conservatives, the conservatives, citizens are united. You willingly want people to lose their ability to file taxes, somebody else to file taxes using their social security card, people roaming around using other people's names and identification. Granted, some of them are dead. Probably majority are dead. But that's a crime. And it should be punished. Lastly, to end on a positive and close this pig out, Stanford professor, data indicates we're severely overreacting to coronavirus. We're seeing a whole lot of doom and gloom and fear-inducing nonsense in social media and traditional media around the coronavirus. So it was truly breath of fresh air reading this thread from Twitter user Brickhouse7333. And in it, he talks about we're using the wrong data sets. It is not, we're not Italy. The media's dovetailing to Italy that really got hammered, didn't put border patrol or border control, they didn't do a whole lot. And they're losing mass number of males, older males, to this disease. So every time it comes up that they had 500, 600, whatever, that's what they're saying. And that's not us. So, I think at the end, once again, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm still being safe, and I will report next Tuesday what it's like to go to a clinic where my wife wants me to bring a mask and gloves, and I probably will use it because there's a lot of sickly people in this room. It's a pain clinic. So you have people coming out of old folks' homes getting brought over to get their medication. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure... There's a reason for some of it, but some of this martial law and closing stuff, I don't know, man. I wonder on the back end we're going to see that we did overreact a little bit because the numbers are going up, but that's because we're testing. And if we saw numbers like New York City everywhere, I would be saying, yeah, we're fucked. But we're clearly not. And I still, once again, in my closing in that section... I believe politics have a lot to do with this, and I wonder if anybody will be held accountable for that, but they probably won't. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP 20 Read. As stated, our next podcast will be the 24th day of March, year of our Lord, 2020. It'll be a one subject, what it was like to go out to a medical facility and a pharmacy. Are they using social distancing? <clears throat> How are they acting? What are the safety things? Within this, I have to take a urinalysis. There are people touching me. And then I have to go to the pharmacy and sit and wait. Although my wife wants me to drop it off and just wait in the parking lot, which I might do if I don't get a warm fuzzy off the clinic. From here to then, 
Please be safe, folks. Enjoy the time with your family. Disconnect from all your devices. If you're going on Twitter every 10 seconds, don't. It'll fucking freak you the shit out. And if you're a non-prog, it'll just piss you off. Because some of the takes on there are just fucking horrible. Catch up on a lot of shows. The 100 Humans will piss you off if you're a con. I will do a review Tuesday on The Hunt. Because I'm going to watch that today. We paid 20 bucks to watch it. But that was cheaper than going to a movie. And um, <clears throat> we're going to make our own popcorn. That saved us 50 bucks. And uh, <clears throat> I'll say whether it was good or not. The Daily Wire... Daily Call, a bunch of conservative sites say watch it. It's actually pretty entertaining because the conservatives, of course, are the people that can get things done, the liberal lits. Once again, my problem was not the movie. This is America. Make whatever you want. My problem was it would never fly if you were running around hunting down, say, transgenders and killing them. You know, it just wouldn't fucking work. It would never get produced. But, you know, getting the idea of a bunch of liberals hunting fucking rednecks and deplorables oh it was good to go man but fucking i'll finance that shit you know that's how hollywood is um other things that we've watched we started lost girls and a couple other not that good um but next week tacoma fire is a really good show on true tv so if you haven't watched it you may have liked or not liked super troopers it's the two guys from super troopers i think it's really hilarious so give that a go. It's a 30-minute it's a television show. SEAL Team, make sure you're watching it or just recording it. And Last Man Standing. Those are the two non... We're not going to have transgenders and make sure that we have the intersectionality scorecard represented in all our characters. They're quasi-conservative. Support those shows because i got a feeling their viewership's going down and they're probably going to take them off the air. And they will replace them with PC Nightmare. So, as always, my friends, stay safe. I thank you all for listening. Tune in Tuesday for our next show. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Every day counts. I'm the sun and the air of the shyness that is criminally broken. I'm the sun and air of nothing in particular.